We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Okay, how about that? Is that good now? Here we are. Uh, MBW Digital Post Game Show. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of technical glitch. Picked a really bad day for that, didn't we? Picked a really bad day for that to happen, but that's Okay. Just give me a second. We'll uh, we'll get going here. I know I, no sound. It's fixed now. I promise. We have it. I'm staring at it. We're all good. Okay, it's okay. We're good now. So uh, again, as I said, Ole Miss 22, Kentucky 19. Huge win for the Rebels. Five and zero. I know you guys probably were having eight different levels of uh, cardiac arrest there toward the end. We'll talk about that. We'll get Jeffrey on the line here in a minute as well. Give me one second to kind of get the links out. You can uh, talk amongst yourselves, talk to me, whatever you want to do. But we'll uh, we'll get it done. I need to brighten everything up a little bit too. It's uh, a bit of a uh, short. Yeah, I hit some wrong buttons. I don't know what I was doing on this thing today, but I uh, I was hitting some wrong buttons and it got a lot of stuff screwed up. So give me a second. We'll get the uh, we'll get the show going. Just got to get one quick thing done real quick, and we'll get going with uh we'll call jeffrey first second i I really i've even got to get my own chat box up we're just all off for a second i was i was rushing a little bit to get to you guys because i knew i knew we want to get going big day for old miss so i wanted to uh to get the show going but it caused me to be a little behind as far as uh being completely ready so just give me a second it's fine you you guys aren't going anywhere you got plenty of time you're in a good mood so there's uh there's no problems here at all Appreciate everybody with the uh, the super chats. <sighs> Means a lot as always. Thank you for uh, thank you for that. Play calling was a little blah. We'll get into that. We're getting a lot of stuff. We're just gonna hang out for a while. What uh, what games are we watching? Are we watching? Uh, are we doing state? Alabama, Arkansas. Well, I guess it's state Arkansas. I mean, Alabama, Arkansas right now, isn't it? Yeah, Kentucky's kicker. That was that was not ideal. All right, one more second. And the stream, somebody saying Barry and Brown is a monster. Yeah, it was really easy to figure out why Ole Miss was so obsessed and wanting Barry and Brown so much, wasn't it? I mean, that was that that was not a complicated thing at all to uh, to figure out. 
Let's see. I just need to get the uh, the link up on the board. Give me a second. Again, I should have done this all before we started, but I wanted to make sure I got to you guys. I was sort of in scramble mode a little bit, so it's okay. Just kind of hanging out. We're all over the place, but it's okay. The score was 22-19, right? Yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes you forget that in the middle of everything else. My picks have been just brutal this year, but I got really close to getting this one right. I mean, we're talking, uh, I think I had 23-20, maybe, um, Ole Miss. I think I had 2320, something like that. Wilson, congrats on the book. Appreciate that as always. Appreciate you. Okay, so a lot of stuff here. We're, again, we're getting Jeffrey in a couple minutes. I think I got everything set up. We're good. No, I need to tweet it. Sorry. One more thing. Um, again, I'm all over the place. It's okay. Talk about the last few minutes, though, changing the uh, the tenor of you guys. I figure you're all in a good mood. Everything's going to be fine. You're... You're plenty patient. Had Ole Miss lost this game and then this would have been going on right now, I don't think you guys would be quite as patient with me. But at the moment, it's going to be all right. Of social media stuff going on with uh, with the rebels in a good way. You know, a couple of quick thoughts. What we call Jeffrey. I know. Pull it together. I'm getting there. Okay. It's just one of those days. It is what it is. It's fine. Um, Ole Miss. I wrote this in observations a second ago. Ole Miss beat Kentucky at its own game. It dominated. From a yard standpoint, Kentucky only had and a lot of sacks flowed into this, but Kentucky only had 108 yards um, rushing. Levis was fine. Levis was kind of what I thought. He made some big-time throws over the middle. I get the arm strength. He also still held the ball a little too much. He did some stuff I didn't like. I mean, it's, it's one of those – it was an interesting situation. Kentucky standpoint, it was – Kind of exactly what I thought it would, what what they would look like. Um, but Ole Miss muddied it up. Um, Ole Miss ran the ball effectively. I, you know, there in the fourth, I thought they got away from some of the things that it worked. It got a little funky. And Ole Miss's ability, and not necessarily blaming Eli Acker because it's not even his primary position. So he's doing the best he can. It is what it is. It's not optimal with Caleb Warren out or at least banged up for the little that he played, but. The snaps were so bad at times that it was messing up not necessarily even just the actual play because it was off or down or over or whatever, but Ole Miss runs so many of those kind of motion timing plays off the snap that you were just waiting on a potential fumble or that thing to hit the guy or it messed things up or occasionally Dart had to just hold the ball and run with it. You know, I mean, Dart was having to operate a lot of extra things that don't necessarily – think that you know you would think he would be operating at the time so I, I thought he played okay for the most part but this is about defense defensively they were really really good today they were flying around I thought that that Davison and DeAndre both played great at the corner position I thought they handled Kentucky's physical wide receivers when Levis did start trying to take shots they did a good job with that 
Um, both teams probably getting bailed out a little there at the end. That was definitely a face mask on Judkins that should have ended the game. Um, and then from a pure rule standpoint, uh, that was targeting on Levis as well. So, I mean, those things kind of offset. You can't talk about one without the other, and you can't sit there and talk about, well, it's targeting, it was targeting, it was targeting. Yeah, and it was a face mask that shouldn't end this thing. So, Ole Miss wins 22-19. Again, 13 in a row now at home. Uh, Vanderbilt next week, Auburn. A lot of opportunities coming for the Rebels. So let's uh, let's get Jeffrey on. Let's talk about it. Yeah, look, Lane Kiffin is a tweet is 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 a is a I guess SEO monster from a Google from a search engine standpoint. So they are going to do anything, any site, including Fox News, if there's anything that makes it where uh, he's going to to bring clicks to them. That is that is the uh, the situation there with that. I, I'm not surprised at all that any outlet um, tweeted about Lane and the thing with Trigg there early in the game. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? Well, uh, I wish uh, – who who was the kid that uh, picked up the fumble? <laughs> I'm not even sure. I was I was doing so many different things, I don't even know who recovered it. <laughs> You wanted him to yeah, take off uh, and run with it. Is that what we're going at? Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, listen, uh, make a play, you know. Uh, how many more times are you going to get that opportunity? Make a play, son. You know, Eddie O and Ole Miss lost the game in Baton Rouge because the, the kid tried to scoop and still score instead of just falling on the football. Yeah, I think it was that weird, like, 17 – that was like that overtime game, it right? It was, yeah. I think it was like, I think it was like on pay-per-view. I was mm-hmm. at the – all-American rejects or starting line open for the All-American rejects at the Mid-South Coliseum. And I was trying to get updates on my Sprint flip phone. That that was – I remember that one vividly. Yeah. So we'll talk about this one. Ole Miss surviving 22-19. Um, Kentucky, Barry and Brown's a beast. He really kind of kept Kentucky in the game the entire time. I understand why uh, his recruitment was what it was when he came out of, uh, out of Nashville and out of the high school. But – you know, Jeffrey, I, I wrote at the top of observations, Ole Miss won a game that probably fit Kentucky a little bit better from a tempo standpoint. It's what Ole Miss has become as well. I mean, they really just bloodied this thing up. They way outgained them in total yards despite not having the ball very long. Defensively, they flew around. They limited the big plays except for Brown. I, I, I thought that if you know, it's, it's, this is not a game where deserve is anything to it, but I thought Ole Miss was just a better team today. I think what it's fair to say is Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss did more things to win the football game than Kentucky did. Sure. You know, sometimes it's little things like it's executing, you know, you know, uh, PAT snaps. It's, um, you know, Jackson had the one interception, but this is kind of the thing that I felt today. You know, the numbers didn't maybe suggest it. I thought Jackson outplayed Levis. And I don't love the things that they asked Levis to do, but I thought today was very encouraging for Jackson Dart because I think he's starting to get better and he's starting to get more comfortable. It's hard to emphasize. I mentioned it for a second in my opening while I was trying to get all the links out. Is not And not to pick on Eli Acker, but the snaps being as bad as they were today, the extra muddying that Jackson had to do, he's having to look downfield, get the ball, you know, it's rolling on the ground. He's trying to match up on some of these timing plays with the snaps. I mean, there were a lot of extra things on him that 
considering that and considering not just the snaps were bad, but not knowing where the snap was going to be and having to think about that pre-snap when it's coming, he played really well with some extra stuff that typically you wouldn't have in front of you. Oh, I completely agree. Like, even think about, you know, some of those snaps, like even the ones that were like getting back to him, they were kind of like flutter balls. You know, when you hit the old uh, big right, or for, for you, the big left wipey fade off the tee, it's just that spinny little flutter ball that goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like even when it was getting back to him, those were those were the types of snaps he was, get, he was getting. And for Ole Miss, it just throws off everything because so much is a read and timing play. And I, I just – I left very, very impressed with him. I, yes, he made the one poor throw at the end of the half, it really is a poor decision, not really a poor throw. But other than that, man, I, I thought, man, I thought he played some big boy football. Cause like he, he took some big shots. He made some big throws. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I just left thinking, you know, that if, if they can stick with this guy, I think this guy can end up being a good football player. His mistakes were a young football player mistakes, and it's a thing that he's still having to clean up. It's the balls across the middle where he's not looking off or he's focused on one guy, and people are just kind of stepping in front of the ball because he got a little fortunate in the first half. There wasn't another pick or two. But we can't completely dismiss how good some of his throws to those to the edges were especially off his back foot I mean people probably wouldn't want you to throw off your back foot like that but he was getting pressure he threw it where only receivers could make it and you I was going to ask you in a second anyway about the wind and the way that both offenses were having to operate through it he managed the game really well that other than that one area where he's constantly making mistakes he's done a really nice job protecting the football this season and today was kind of that he he put his guys in a lot of different places to win he sort of played point guard in the right way today yeah i think that's fair like another play that stood out to me was it was a first down throw and again I, i'm watching the tv camera so i couldn't tell but it, to me it looked like he had outside leverage and Heath was kind of like trying to run like a skinny post or more of a post. And he threw the ball on a go route. And that was going to be, if not a touchdown, it was going to be a massive, massive play. And, you know, you could tell like he, he was looking at, he was looking at Heath afterwards. He's like, Hey man, like I, I was thinking go up, but mm-hmm. you know, really just what, what it boiled down to me today was I, I thought Ole Miss played cleaner. You know, it was not a perfect football game. Um, but Ole Miss, Ole Miss, I thought, made more plays to win the football game than I thought Kentucky did. Overall. I mean, even – think about this. Think about this, man. You know, I, I'm not bagging on him, but, like, Levis snapping the football before his guy's even set when he has a one-on-one with a, you know, 6-4 receiver mm-hmm. on, a, on a corner, like – Ole Miss didn't make that mistake today. I, I I thought that was the difference in the game for me. Yeah, look, Levis is a tough kid. He's a big kid. He's a physical kid. He played through the finger and all that kind of stuff. He did not have Jackson Dart's level of composure. I mean, he's got all the physical tools in the world, but I thought just sort of managing his team, he didn't do a great job today. I thought the play calling was weird. You know, they got in a lot of Kentucky, that, that, that saying, got into a deal where – they had third and two. They had these short-distance things. They got away from Rodriguez. They got cued at times. Thought Levis made some weird decisions. I just thought 
I see the potential, but we talk about this all the time in every sport and so many different players. And I think you and I, t- or you talked about this with, with Neil and myself on Thursday so much. He's just so far from some finished college product or the best player in that kind of stuff. He's still making a lot of mistakes that, I mean, would get you eaten alive at the next level. Yeah, to me, to me, he is a byproduct of Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen is going to ruin quarterback scouting for like a decade because people now are going to go out and look for these physically special, like big arm, what guys, because they're going to, they're convinced they can turn him into Josh Allen. When in reality, Josh Allen is just, he is an outlier. He is an exception. Like he came from a small school in, in Fresno that, you know, no one really watched. And then, you know, he's never really been coached all, all that well. Like Will Levis was a known entity. Like, and, and I just don't, I don't want to turn the whole show into bagging on him, but like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I do not see it, man. Like I, I, he's got a big arm, but yeah, a certain point, man, you gotta, you gotta throw it to where you're trying to throw it. What did you like about the Ole Miss defense today and kind of what they did against like a hockey offense? Effort. I mean, I think one of the more unsung plays is the fact that they ran down, you know, I know he had the angle, but how big is it now that uh, he didn't score on the, you know, the, the big chunk play with a minute left. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, like, you know what I mean? Like, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, because then you get the false start. You give up the touchdown, but it's a false or the illegal motion. And just keep playing. And, and I thought it was a big move to go to the four down linemen uh, after the, the right tackle had the cramp to go to the four down linemen to get some extra pressure. And you see, like, Levis kind of holds the ball a, a half second too long, and you make a play. Like, to me, like, that was what was impressive about them. You know, we see why Rodriguez is a good back. He's tough to tackle. I thought it, at times Ole Miss's tackling was bad, but I'd also like to give some credit to, you know, the guy that's probably going to carry the ball in the NFL for a long time. But I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought Ole Miss's ability to – Ole Miss's ability to just kind of hang in there and not not give up the they made Kentucky they made it difficult on Kentucky and to your point that game script went entirely Kentucky's way I mean what was the what was the time of possession breakdown in the second half let's see yeah it's thirty seven twenty three uh, total I don't know what the second half was but I think the second half was the second half had to be. Big time. Oh, let's see. All right, second half. Uh, yeah, eighteen to eleven in the second half. I mean, wow. okay. I guess it was, I guess it was about the same both yeah. halves. But I don't know. It just felt like it felt like Ole Miss never really had the ball with a chance to do very much in the second half. And you know that defense was on the field for a, a lot of plays and. You know, hats off to him, man, because th- there were several times I think that they could have ended up getting burned, and they didn't. Offensively for Ole Miss, especially in the second half, I mean, if some of that was when Jackson doesn't throw through it as well as maybe Levis did. They they, they struggled during the third quarter in, the, in, in that instance. Um, they got away from the run game a little at times, but in general, what would you sort of think of the, the play calling, the play of the offense in the second half when it did kind of bog down? I thought 
the biggest difference between the first half and the second half was Ole Miss, Ole Miss was getting behind the chains in the in the second half. You could tell they uh, they made the they tried to put uh, they tried to switch centers, and while the snap was better, it, you know he he just wasn't healthy enough to to get his blocks, and so. Uh, the, you know that drive never really got off to anything like that was a three and out then you know they start another drive with a first and 15 to me the biggest difference between the first half and the second half was they they didn't get the drive started uh as cleanly as they did in the first half it's Quinshawn Judkins third hundred yard game in five games he also had a 98 yarder I, I it, it, it's safe to say that Deuce's record of 14 100-yard games is in severe jeopardy right now. I mean, I feel like the only way that that record stands is if he's not an Ole Miss Rebel for three years. Yeah, if, if he is healthy and in red and blue for three years, it, it's, it's hard to see him yeah. not get to 14. Yeah, I, 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 that guy is a uh, special football player. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what his top-end speed is, but it's good enough. And yeah. man, do I love the way he! I love the way his vision and the way he sets up things like one cut and go. He's uh, that guy could play for me. They're obviously both good, but it seems like Lane and Weiss, or however you want to phrase that, it seems like they almost trust him more than Evans right now because he's protecting the ball better. Well, I think I think it's also that he's better in the inside running game, mm-hmm. and for them, like if you look at where their kind of explosive runs came from today. It was mainly the the inside running game, um, and I mean I, I don't know. I mean Evans Evans to me did not look a hundred percent. Obviously, you keep up with it on a daily basis more than I do, but he did not look to me like he did uh, week one. Anything new from what from wide receivers today? I thought Heath was pretty good, frankly. I thought Heath Heath was really good. Um, you can tell they're they're keying on Mingo and taking him away, and it, it's frustrating a little bit. But you know, I mean, to me, it's going to be a situation where their passing game is just going to have to come along because you can tell. Like, I do think it's I think it's noteworthy when you have Blackledge drop the note that Jackson's never played in an RPO offense, and if you've never played in it, it does simplify the game a little bit. But it is something you have to get experience with and get reps with. And if it's like a, you know, it's almost like a foreign offense if you're not used to it. And so I do think like that's that's part of it with Jackson. Like I think they need to just stick with him and be patient because I do think I I see the makings of a really good player. They bracketed. They kind of kept Mingo out, which you know I guess you stop that, but. I was a little surprised they focused on him that much instead of playing a little more, little more run defense, a little more straight up. Putting putting the emphasis on Jonathan, I thought was an interesting move from Kentucky as a defense. Yeah, they uh, they didn't take away the run like I thought they were going to do. Um, you could tell their their goal was still trying to not give up the explosive pass plays, um, and that surprised me a little bit but you know I mean you can't really 
I, I don't think you can gripe too much with Kentucky's game plan. I mean, don't you think if you would have told them you're going to hold Ole Miss to 22, mm-hmm. don't you think they would have felt pretty good about where they were? You know, this is Ole Miss playing better defense, running the ball. It's it's giving Dart a chance to come along at his own pace a little bit. But I tell you also, because it was just said in the stream, this is a game that typically Ole Miss had lost or in the past and been one of those heartbreak things you talked about. And it's taken not really that long considering the streak Ole Miss is on. Now at 16-3 and three in their last 19, he fully has the Rebels expecting to win football games. Like you said, you know, it's the effort down there at the end where they don't let the guy score on the long play. It's just kind of playing to the whistle. It's winning so many close games over the course of last year with Tennessee and Arkansas and now this. It's a complete transformation where – Ole Miss at this moment is just an upper-tier SEC team that expects to win when they take the field. And, look, that's a mindset that does go win football games. You play somebody who doesn't have that mindset, and you're going to win eight times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, for all the we are Ole Miss jokes, yeah. I mean, let's take a look at, let's take a look at the losses last year. Mm. I think Auburn played better than Ole Miss. Auburn, Auburn beat Ole Miss. Um, Alabama clearly outplayed Ole Miss. And then Corral gets hurt in the bowl game. And, you know, but I mean, in general, on the close games, Ole Miss has been on the right end. You know, even when Arkansas is going up and down the field, Ole Miss makes the, the big play, you know, makes the one more, makes one more play. And I mean, I do think it, it goes to show that so much of the identity of a football program, and I think it's going to be even more so in the transfer era because rosters are going to, I don't think you're going to see, you know, maybe, maybe Alabama, maybe Ohio state, maybe Texas and Texas A&M and USC can, can have continuity on a roster. But I mean, other than that, I don't think you're going to see a lot of continuity. And to me, what that, what that's going to create is you're going to have coaches that are, that are the identity of programs more so. And, you know, for all of the Joey Freshwater jokes and whatnot you can make, like Lane Kiffin does not lack belief in himself. And I think that it's very obvious that his teams maybe have somewhat of like an irrational self-confidence. But what I think has been impressive so far is it's a team that plays with confidence, but I don't feel like they very rarely do they do something where I go, man, that was stupid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's A, the way they probably need to be playing, the way their program or their team is set up, not necessarily their program. But, no, they, they've been well coached in all areas. I mean, defensively, we've talked about outside of some crap against Tulsa that we'll just move on from because it doesn't matter. They've tackled pretty effectively. They haven't had the dumb pre-snap penalties for the most part. I mean, they, they do look like an incredibly well-coached team, and it's what you're speaking of, too. You've got all these new players, all these new players in new roles, whether it be transfers or freshmen. You have two new quarter coordinators. You have to some aspects, some different terminology or systems or whatever, and you have a new quarterback and you have new people on defense actually calling the plays. The fact that they haven't had dumber pre-snap penalties or things like that, and they're pretty disciplined in the in the post-snap and the celebration stuff too, it's either a hellaciously good coaching job and it's kind of a miracle at the same time because you would have anticipated just sort of this irrational confusion. And when it does happen, Lane gets quite pissed. I mean, you had – you know, that first drive today stalls because Micah Pettis has a, has a false start over there, yeah. you know, freshman and yeah. playing a new position and he's out of, you know, he's kind of out of sync with what's going on. They had some of those things, but the ones they have, you understand how and why they happen. They're not just boneheaded maneuvers. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's to me it's a situation where it's either um, you have you have a better advanced scouting organization or program than everyone, and you're maybe identifying better players or maybe guys that fit your brand. Um, also, I think maybe one of the smart things, like you kind of see it with like Malik Heath, where yeah, he's at Mississippi State and his mom's worried about him transferring to Ole Miss for, you know, the from the emotional aspect. But it's like, hey, I want to go there. And maybe that mindset gets better buy-in. And then maybe it's also a little bit of element of, hey, it is kind of some luck, but you kind of make your own luck. I mean, I, I don't think it's ever – I don't think it's ever exclusively one thing. Um, but to me, like, that is – that is what's really stood out the last two years is that for the most part, Ole Miss has looked like the better coach teams when they go up against a lot of people. I mean, I think you could maybe have some gripes on the Alabama game, but Alabama had way more players and, you know, I think they were ready for that game. But man, other than that, Ole Miss looks pretty prepared to play almost every time we watch them. What do you like the next maturation step is for Dart? I mean, how good can he get? Not down the road, but right now. I mean, what what are the next steps that can happen inside these twelve or thirteen games? Uh, faster on the reads. Like there were a couple of times today where it you can still feel like he's going through the checklist in his head of like, and and, and to be fair to him, because I I agree with you. We were talking about this on text. Like, I do not think you can dismiss the snaps. Uh, from today Mm -hmm. like I think that threw off the timing and and I think that made his job significantly more difficult but it's kind of like going from you know I think he has the the basics down to going through his reads a little bit more quickly maybe like there was a couple of times like near the goal line where I felt like he was focused too much on the just like the zone read element of like give it take it I think if he would have pulled it and like flipped it out I think they had some one-on-ones that they would have liked we saw Corral do that a lot like Mm -hmm. to me like that's kind of the next step it's the it's going from it's going through the checklist a little bit quicker and going from uh, you know getting the basics getting the basics right to you know getting into step three and four in his in the place you know in the the reading aspect so let's spin for Ole Miss. Vanderbilt next week, spin forward, that is. Auburn the week after. I mean, barring something crazy, they're 7-0 going to Baton Rouge, you would think. I mean, I, I think that's the – I think that needs to be the expectation at this point, right? Well, sure. I, I mean, mean, yeah, if they lose to Vanderbilt or Auburn, it isn't at least a, a monumental – change to the season on something from an upset standpoint. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to be heavily favored in both these games. Yeah, and I mean, uh, to me, like, that that needs to be the expectation. And, you know, I, I, what does that mean, like, projecting out for the rest of the way? I, I don't know, but, I mean, I think the whole goal with this team was they knew they were going to have they knew they were going to have about a month or so to bring this team along and kind of figure it out. They picked their quarterback. Uh, I, I think they probably had a better sense that they could rely on this defense at least early and then bring the offense along. 
I think they probably knew they had two studs in the running backs, and so that those guys could make those guys could make enough plays that you'd be able to have enough offense. And so far, like maybe it hasn't like seemed like it in real time, but that's kind of how these games have played out. You know what I mean? Like first game was a little, you know, jerky at times. Central Arkansas, we talked about, like, that game just was yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Like, I, you, you, moving on, uh, they did what you should do to a lifeless team that's, you know, playing for a coach that's going to get fired. They beat the absolute hell out of them, and they did it immediately. You know what I mean? Like, the Georgia Tech, they went on the road. They just put them away immediately. And then last week, they jump up on Tulsa, and, yeah, they have to hold on and survive. But, hey, they did it. And then this week, yeah, the the big crowd and like let's be clear, like there's there was some risk for Kiffin to to say what he said this week and to you know put all the onus on the fans and you know if that backfires, like there's you know there's a lot of people like that that kind of creates like a you know you you want us to spend all this money you want us to do this and then you can't even get the job done like we did our job like well, what about you? It shows um, his level of capital. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, to me, like, this is maybe like a small thing and, and maybe some people don't think much of it. I think the fact that Ole Miss was able to, like, execute the stripe out and make it look good on TV, like, like I think that kind of shows a, a different day and age. Like, I don't know, man, the team that I grew up going to watch, like, that would never have been pulled off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't even get people to wear the same color mm-hmm. to the to the games when I was growing up. And, you know, I, I just think there's a different level of buy-in. And, you know, does that mean that this is like a, you know, a transformation of where this program is in the pecking order of the league? I don't know. But, I mean, these are the types of starts that you need. I mean, backing up a 10-win season with the opportunity to have another big season, like, that's kind of how it starts. Like, I know Oregon was in a different league, but that's kind of how it started. You had Bilotti. Like, yeah, you got Nike to, to help and and to finance a lot of it, but, like, you do have to win on the field. Like, that's the other thing. Like, you, you, ha- you can have all these program and institutional advantages, but you also have to win to help build. And right now, Ole Miss is, is at least showing – that they could be one of these teams that that has completely transformed where they are in the pecking order, you know, in a short, what, in three years, really? Well, look, it's been my thing, and I've I harped on this, and I've, I've, I've been a little just monotonous with the same thing over and over and over again, but Ole Miss had, had needed to become a normal SEC football team. And what that means is yeah. you just win a lot of freaking games. You don't have the side show stuff. You, you do neat things like today. I mean, it was, it was a Chamber of Commerce day. The weather was perfect. The stripe thing looked really good on TV. It was a completely full house. The students showed up. All the premium areas looked pretty full. And they just sort of went out and they won a football game against a top 10 opponent. Kentucky was ranked number seven in the country. And what it does show you is, you know, you look, Ole Miss has not been efficient over the course of the last decade every year. I mean, they've had some clunkers. They've had some eras. And they've had all this stuff, all this probation. But they've gone, and, and I get that it's not the same. I get the Sugar Bowl is not what it was 25 years ago or 50 years ago or anything like that, but they've been to three access bowls, which means at the end of the regular season, you're 12th or better in the country from the way you're ranked. They've done that three well, times. They, 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 they've done a lot of stuff about, here where 
It's think, I mean they're just a way, normal Jake. team that expects to wins. They're not even necessarily the plucky upstart or like the they're not even kind of the Cinderella story of looking up and go, oh, that's cute. They just win games now. Well, think about it, think about it in these terms. If if instead of the four team playoff, if they would have gone to the twelve team playoff uh at the beginning, Ole Miss would have three playoff appearances, LSU would have two. Oh, now LSU would have a national title. LSU would have a national title. I do not believe that Ole Miss would have a oh, national sure. title. And so, yeah, I mean, there. But but I mean, you know what I mean? Like that does show, like, like to me, like that does show that that there are the makings here. And the other thing that's fascinating to me is in this era where I believe the halves are going to separate at a very high level, like. It's kind of why I talked about all summer. The most interesting thing to me about the SEC this year was the race for three. Well, now we're going to find out the race for three, you know, perhaps beginning next year, I'm doubtful, but, you know, maybe. The race for three is going to be the race for a playoff spot at the minimum, and perhaps the race for four is a playoff spot. And we've talked about it, about whether or not being a playoff team will help you as a program. I'm resigned to the fact of, well, it can't hurt. You know what I mean? Like any, any type of like success that you can build on any milestones you can build on, like that's going to help. And so that's kind of what they're trending toward. Cause the playoff is not even necessarily, it's a, it's a about when they do expand to 12, it's about getting into the playoff. And then you also get potentially that home game in the first round winning. That's a big deal. It's what does change. And I do think it will be a little different than the NFL, you know, I think in some ways getting into the playoff and every round you advance to is this feather in the cap thing that's almost like going to and winning bowls except bigger in the past than the way that used to be. Because, you know, I mean, we talk about, you know, the Giants or the Saints or whatever. We're not going, hey, well, hey, they made the divisional round. That was awesome. Or, you know, whatever. No, it's, did they make the Super Bowl? Well, they do that and they win. And your- college is completely different. Every round is a big deal <laughs> that elevates your program. To your point, it's going to be on a smaller scale. It's going to be like the basketball tournament. Yeah. Now, what we're going to have is we're going to have some coach that puts together a hot run, and he's going to wind up getting a big job because of playoff performance. But, you know, it's going to be like we talked about it. Well, this is a sweet 16 team. You know, we talk about it. This is a team that can win a playoff game. Like, it's it's going to be very similar to, like, the basketball tournament where we have this understanding of, not every team can win the national title, but sometimes getting to the second weekend. You know, this is a – I'm sure we'll start doing that. This is a second weekend college football team. And, uh, you know, this is a team that can get to the Final Four. This, you know what I mean? Like, we'll start having those distinctions. And, and I think that's what's going to be kind of – I think that will be, like, kind of the standard to watch moving forward. God, I should have taken Oklahoma State. What are you doing on TV one right now? What is what is the method here? Well, well, right now it's Alabama and Arkansas, and I'm kicking Alabama myself because I didn't bet. out physicaling and out scheming the shit out of Arkansas right now. And I did I didn't bet it. I got scared. I mean, this I mean, this, this I, looks the only like... thing I, I only have it in picks. I only have it in picks, and I, I I'm I'm kicking myself. So are we better off with Oklahoma State Baylor or State A and M on the main screen? Uh, has that game? Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that game kicked off. Yeah, they. Um, 
I've also got I've got Iowa State minus three. I mean, I love the Kansas story as much as everyone, but uh, I'm not sure that they should be. Like that feels like a line that should have been ten or eleven. Um, Spencer Sanders going for it all. Somehow still manages to find double coverage. Good for him. <laughs> uh, we'll be done with this before the night games. Any any, any kind of new takes uh, on on our schedule the rest of the day? What are you looking for? Um, let's see. All right, what do we tonight? We have uh, we need the Georgia uh, uh, kill everybody tour to keep rolling on. Okay. Um, Temple back uh, Memphis backdoor covered that killed me. Um, uh, let's see what else I have later. I feel like it's one of those. Uh, oh, r- real quick, what was the final in TCU? And, and I, Neil doesn't agree with me. He thinks they're going to be fine. Am I the only one that completely does not believe in Brett Venables at all? And I think he's going to be a disaster at Oklahoma relative to that program. Well, the game – I mean, they were going to get beat even if he stayed in. The game got out of hand when Gabriel got – like, that was like a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. Gabriel got knocked out with a cheap shot. But, you know, I I don't think Venables is a sure thing. Um, I do think at least unlike a lot of defensive coordinators that get their first job, like, I do think he's he hired Levy, and Levy's getting to run his own offense. Like I did, I don't feel like Venables is meddling in that. I mm-hmm. think I think the biggest problem that Venables is having is uh, Clemson bought him a lot more defensive players than Oklahoma has left him. Russell Harris was super chatting a question. Says Chase and Jeffrey see Pine Bomb. He only wanted to talk to Sus about Lane leaving Ole Miss. Yeah, I talked to Nick about that at the press box today for a few minutes. Um, Apparently asked about multiple jobs, then switched into Dion and did that instead of the game. I, I get that it's clickbait and it's lane and all these type of things. And at some point, he will, he'll go do something. I mean, I don't think he's going to coach at Ole Miss for 35 years. But he does seem pretty pleased here right now. And I'm not getting into that conversation. My question is, do you think that because of his profile, this continues every time a job comes open? Or as Ole Miss wins more, it becomes minimized to some degree, depending on the program that is looking for a coach? Uh, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. A, I do not believe that Paul is just stirring the pot. I do think Paul hears things, but I think what also what Paul hears is uh, agent talk. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reality is uh, if you're if you're one of these fan bases right now and you find out that your fan base, you know, that think it's so different for Ole Miss when Ole Miss hired Kiffin. Like, if you're one of these fan bases and you're frustrated, aren't you pretty excited about Kiffin? Oh God, yes. So, I mean, like, what, I think what, what is know, the negative to Lane Kiffin as your coach at this point? Uh, uh, he that he uh, the the negative is that you you lose control of your brand because the brand becomes Lane. But okay. It's Ask college Miss, football. This is a coach-driven brand league. Does Ole, Miss, does Ole Miss have any problems with Lane Kiffin and, and Juice Kiffin being the face of their program? Because <laughs> no. best I can tell, they see, everyone seems to be on board. It makes no logical sense for Lane Kiffin to take the Auburn job. None. 
None. I I agree, but at the same time, like I don't I I don't know. I mean, like the question for me is, have we entered an era in which our our perceptions of what the good jobs are have been completely disrupted? And like, I kind of hate the whole uh, be a disruptor, but like, I don't know. Like, I still believe that if Auburn were to to get its stuff together, Auburn's it's easier to probably win big at Auburn than it is at Ole Miss. But I'm like, I'm very much like, remember when I used to push back on Neil when Neil was like, I don't think you can do this exclusively through the transfer portal. My answer was not like, oh, I do think you can do it. My answer is. I don't know. We haven't seen anyone try to do it. So it, is it entirely possible that uh, Ole Miss has figured this out and Auburn is stuck in Auburn is stuck in a era in which, I mean, for better or worse, Lane gets to run the program. For better or worse at Auburn, the same people seem to be still running the program. And the question for me is, you know, if Auburn were to if Auburn were to turn the program over to Lane and let him run it the way that he he wants to run it, is Auburn still not as good of a job as Ole Miss? Like I don't know. Like that, I personally tend to agree with you. Like I think at Auburn, you, it's the ultimate example of you literally are put on that job to be fired on that job. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Gene Chizik's got a national championship there. No, look, you can win at Auburn. Auburn historically has had more money and more resources at Ole Miss. And I don't know why we're doing this, but whatever. I'll finish the thought and, and we'll move on to something else. But they've had more money, more resources than than Ole Miss. They've won national titles in, in recent periods of time. One, you know, obviously a transcendent player. But in 04, they were undefeated and would have played for it with Jason well, and, Campbell and, and those guys. And They're, they've been good. Dust, they, they play, yeah, they played for it with Dust, for God's sake. Um, Dust was a t- – Gus was a tipped ball away from winning a national title. Yeah. So, don't look, I mean, they have whatever. But in today's world, Auburn has shown no ability to get out of its own way, frankly, in much the same way Texas has, where they're in Texas is farther ahead than Auburn. Auburn just fired an AD because they wouldn't hire Kevin Steele as a head football coach. And God knows what they're going to do with this search coming up. I guess my point is if I'm laying today in 2022, I'm 16 and three at Ole Miss in the last 19. And for better or worse, Ole Miss is pulling in one direction more than they have at any point, at least that I've had an understanding of how this kind of stuff works, whether it be my career or my fandom, my life or whatever. And I know that Lane has ultimate authority over everything inside that program. And if he asks for it, they'll bust their ass trying to find it. To me, that's a better situation than at Auburn, where you just hope to God the boosters get out of the way and let you run your program. But at the same time, they're going to be worried about prayer circles and the Auburn family and all these things that do not align with Lane just being the brand and running his football program. No, and, and you know, for better or worse, Ole Miss, for all of the, the knocks that you can have on it, they are comfortable letting a coach run the program the way they want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Cut got to run the program the way he wanted to. It went from everything was open with Tuberville to all of a sudden, you know, they're running Knoxville East. And and he got to do it the way he wanted to do it. Uh, Orgeron. 
Efron, for better or worse, got to do it the way he wanted to do it. Uh, then you flip it to Nut, he got to do it the way he wanted to do it. Then Freeze, he got to do it the way he wanted to do it. And Luke got to do it the way he wanted to do it. Now Lane's getting to do it the way that he wants to do it. Like, I, I do think Ole Miss sometimes gets a little unfairly criticized. Like, yes, they don't have the unlimited budget that uh, Alabama does. But what you're also starting to see is now that the now that the Big Ten and the SEC are separating from everywhere, and now that Ole Miss has the advantage of money that is money and stature that it's never really had, Ole Miss isn't bad at this. Mm. Now, and I mean, with, it, it, I mean, it really should only really get better. Yeah, but there's also the the uh, well, what about if everyone else? You, what if oh, the sure. what if the schools that have the advantages get their shit together? I mean, you know, you also have to look at it this way. Lane is in a position where Auburn is down, LSU's in transition, uh, Arkansas's probably up historic. Up. You know, yeah, since, yeah they're, they're up. up. Um, a&M is unfulfilled expectations right now. Well, welcome um, to A&M. When has that changed? Yeah, I mean, I do still think, though, with Jimbo, there's a Kirby element of we're going to make – we better get all our jokes off now because I do think there's going to come a point where eventually they're just going to have so much talent that it's, that it's going to win by – they're going to win just by existing. But the question, the question that so many of these coaches will ask is, if all things are equal, where, where is it easier for me to win? And that, you know, the other question though was like, I don't know, what is, what's Lane's career goals? Like, is it, is it to win a national title? Is like, I don't know. Like if Lane's goal is to uh, live the most comfortable life and, and compete on Saturdays. I mean, there's not many people that are going to give Lane what Ole Miss is giving him, which is, I, I presume next year he's going to make nine, ten million dollars, whatever the number is. Um, you know, if you have the down year, you're you're not toast. I mean, you know, because it's very got, likely you have got, a down year with the portal, the way it is. It's possible. Well, I mean, ask Michigan State. Now the thing is, make your down year still a competitive year. I mean, that's what Lane has done. I mean, Ole Miss's down year is not four and eight. No, I mean, it, that's seven the thing. Like, make your down year. Or, yeah, I mean, five and five in the yeah, – whatever, whatever was it? Five and five in the COVID year. I mean, listen, I, I, I think – I think he's in the perfect spot, but he's Lane Kiffin, man. Like, I, I think he's – you know, I, I, I think trying to predict his behavior is not exactly um, – he has less one-year than he did 18 months ago. I think that's fair. Do you think his but next job is a long, college job or an NFL last? job? I think college. I don't. I don't think the NFL lifestyle's for him. Okay. Because, I mean, no one loves to tell you how hard they work, like a college football coach. 
Lane's getting a lot more time down in Boca as the Ole Miss head coach, I think, than he would be in the NFL. It's more regimented, though, schedules. It is. The all-time, the all-time. At the same time, you know, most likely if you're taking an NFL job, you're taking a job that doesn't have a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So then you're now getting into the situation of you're hired to be fired. So, you know, uh, to me, I don't know. Lane Kiffin, to me, it's tough to be the brand in the NFL. Like, Lane Kiffin, to me, just feels more like a college coach. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Because, I mean, the, he, he likes the SEC. He likes the fun. He likes all the Twitter, all the stuff. It's it, it's neat to him. He enjoys it. It's it's almost I – mean, frankly, it is a pastime. It's not almost a pastime. It's why Ole Miss and, and Kiffin are really good fits for each other in tons of different ways. Last thing, uh, Kentucky. Has this changed anything about how you sort of see the rest of their season? Um, not really. Didn't you feel like they were kind of what you expected? I thought they were completely what I expected, honestly. Like, 100%. Like, I thought Kentucky played the exact game I thought Kentucky would play. It was just a matter of whether Ole Miss could be better than that. Yeah, I, I don't feel any differently about Kentucky than I do – than I did beforehand. Like, I think – I think Tennessee is going to give them some problems. But other than that, like, Georgia's obviously going to manhandle them. But other than that, like – I think what Kentucky has done very smartly, they have built a team that can beat South Carolina, that can beat Vanderbilt, uh, that can compete with Florida while Florida's down. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they get state from the other side. I think this is the year where they get state at home, right? It is in Lexington, I think, yeah. Uh, you know – I think they have very smartly built a program that can go nine and three and, you know, win a bowl game, 10 and three. But I think what we saw today is when they have to push the pedal, like even Ole Miss didn't make them push the pedal. Like, you know, I'm sure Lane wanted them to, but they did have to push the pedal a little bit today. And it just felt like every time they had to do that, they felt uncomfortable. Well, Le I mean, Levis was uncomfortable with it. He didn't I mean, I think I, I the it's not a surprise to me because I didn't really think they were that good coming up front. The one thing that would concern me if I'm a Kentucky football fan, all seven of you, that offensive line was not a Kentucky offensive line that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. I did not feel like they like just. I, I mean, didn't you feel like more times than not, Ole Miss won the line of scrimmage now? Rodriguez was a very good back, and he would get he'd get the extra yards. But I felt like, in general, like I felt like Ole Miss did a pretty good job up front. I'm going to assume, without looking at it, if you take out any kind of chunk play, Kentucky averaged fewer than three yards, be like before they were touched, and might be even less than that. It might have been like one and a half. I'll check it tomorrow for Pro Football Focus. I mean, there were very few holes that the running back didn't have to make it with, as you said, just kind of body through tacklers fighting through people and, and getting that extra yard because Rodriguez is incredibly good at that. No, look, Kentucky's not great up front. Um, they're, they're fine. I mean, I think Tennessee's going to beat I them. Can do it I can do it real quick. So 75 minus 47 is 38, right? Mm, sure. I'll take your word for it. 28, sorry. 
Uh, yeah. So Rod- Rodriguez averaged. Um, Rodriguez averaged. Uh, <laughs> this is unreal. Uh, uh, he had forty yards. Forty-seven came after contact. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not. Oh no, I'm sorry, sorry. That was that was no, no, hang on, hang on. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. That was that was that was receiving. because uh, he caught the swing passes out of um seventy two yard yeah. So he averaged three point eight per carry. There's no way. I bet I bet he was closer to two on yards uh yeah, you know, whatever the stuff rate. Yeah, before contact. Yeah, that's that's my guess. Something like that. So, I don't know. Uh, what's that line going to be tomorrow, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt? Who doggies? Um, twenty four, probably Ooh. right. Okay. Let me hang on. Let me let me look at quick numbers. Um. Three. So Bama was what forty? It was forty. Yes. I'll say twenty-one and a half. Okay. And that's about the right number. I mean, I it would not shock me if Ole Miss covered that, and it wouldn't shock me if Ole Miss goes up there and kind of sleepily wins the game by seventeen points. Because last year, what it was, wasn't it like twenty-eight or something? Yeah, it was I, mean, I know twenty-eight last year. Vandy's um, off today, right? Yeah. yeah. Vandy's, I think it'll be north of 17. I think it'll be north of 17, but under 24. So, yeah. somewhere around 21. Yeah. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Let's talk Thursday. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Was Jeffrey right? Yeah, we were talking about Lane. And from, not, not even really from a negative way or a way of, hey, he's going to go here or here. That wasn't the point. The, the point was that – He's in a really good fit, and a lot of these jobs, they just don't make sense. I mean, it's it's not that Auburn's a worse job or whatever. It's the fact that they haven't gotten their stuff together. Lane has rebuilt Ole Miss quickly. He's not in rebuild mode anymore. And every time Ole Miss wins a game like today, their national exposure and their national brand, which is pretty strong anyway, Ole Miss is a football program that's known around the country it just elevates a little more. It makes more. It makes people. I mean, I see Russell and other people in the stream talking about it. It makes people more willing to donate. It just sort of enhances everything over the course of this. Where when you look at the entire complexity of the the country from a job standpoint, it's a really good job. I mean, yeah, maybe it's not Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, you know, Florida. If it's got its stuff together, even though they're mostly two coaches more than they are a program, it's not everything over the course of, of decades. But it's getting more unified by the day. And I don't even mean that from a growth collective standpoint. I just mean that in general. Um, as Jeffrey said, it's – it's. I mean, you guys are in the stream. You've been there here for some of you longer than I've been doing this. It's not every Ole Miss program that would have pulled off that stripe out today. I mean, I know Kentucky had a lot of um, fans in the stands. I know they brought a lot of people – it was the first Kentucky game in Oxford since 2010. I mean, there, there's elements to all that. But 
the crowd did a hell of a job for an 11 a.m. game today. Usually 11 a.m. would be a little sleepy. It was also 11 a.m. where Highway 6 was a freaking parking lot until, I mean, after kickoff for sure. I mean, it was it was rough. It was really, really, really rough. So, I don't know. I mean, today was a big day for Ole Miss. Uh, getting to 5-0, and getting the next week, having a chance to sort of put this thing together and be not just in the conversation of expectations or eight wins or nine wins or – you know, contemplating trying to get back to a 10-win season, whether it be pre- or post-bowl, but staying in the real national conversation. That's what Ole Miss did with a really, really gutty win today over uh, over Kentucky. I'm, I'm still waiting on Neal. Um, it shouldn't be too terribly long for him, I wouldn't think. So what I'm going to do, actually, I know I've got Brian on standby. I can holler at him, but I'm going to go ahead. A lot of you guys are here. I'm going to open up calls. If anybody would like to call, you can do that. We can go over stats. We can do some different stuff. But we're just kind of waiting around. So let's uh, let's open that up. There is the number. It is 662-259-7556. If anybody wants to uh, give it a call, chat about whatever. I currently have on State and Texas A&M. It's getting close to the end of the first quarter. 0-0 zero, zero still there in, uh, in Starkville for that game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I just turned Alabama, Arkansas off. It just didn't feel like time for that right now. You guys can tell me if Arkansas scores or if we get back into a game a little bit there. Let's see. Let's go to – 
Who are we talking to? T. Hey, David Hedrick. Hey, T. How are you doing? How you doing, Chase? I'm good. <sighs> I mean, I mean, Chance. How are you, Chance? Yeah, I'm. I'm awesome, Chance, Chet, Seth. If it's Ed O talking, I mean, I answer to a lot of names. It's all good either way. <laughs> Man, I never call in, but it just was uh, kind of worked out today where I I can catch uh catch you in between more important callers such as uh, Brian Scott and and Neil, of course. I mean Nick, but uh. I mean, first of all, I want to say awesome win the res. But second of all, I want to say I can't wait to get your book. I ordered four signed copies, oh, uh, one you. for myself and and three to you're welcome. Three to uh, hand out to to some family members that are going to love it. I can't wait to get those in. Uh, man, I, there, there's a weird tradition that we kind of started during the baseball playoffs this past summer, which is instead of cooking like uh, your traditional kind of, let's say, Ole Miss fare, you know, uh, Abner's chicken tenders and sauce and all that stuff, we would cook what we thought the other team would be cooking. So if we were playing the Razorbacks, we'd cook, you know, let's say a uh, whole hog or, sure. or pork butt or whatever, right? So today I, I, was, I was scrambling around all week because, like, well, what's my fare going to be? But I was looking at bourbon chicken and, you know, all this stuff. So I remembered uh, – that you had said something about hot browns, mm-hmm. the the sandwiches, and yeah. so uh, I had some Kentucky people lighten me up for the past forty eight hours, talking all sorts of smack, and <laughs> and I did finally get out of them what a real hot brown was. They sent me the recipe, and I, I and they're amazing by the way. I made them up at like maybe ten o'clock this morning, and uh, took some pictures of my kids just devouring them. And uh, was hoping I, I was going to be able to send those pictures around the horn. And, you know, as fate has it, you know, I was. And I got my sweet revenge with a little more classy way than saying, hey, you know, F you, we won or whatever it might be, right? Because that's pretty much what they were telling me yesterday in the day before. Kentucky fans, uh, so were, I don't know, like, they, they, they were on one. Like, that was a pretty that was a pretty aggressive bunch here the last few days. It was abs- I mean, that was the absolute perfect way to say it. I mean, they were, they, I, you know, I posted on the board. They were chippy AF. I mean, they were aggressively, and and, and what's funny is they they love to troll me with uh, with lame tipping stuff, and I and I just kept shaking my head, thinking, I mean, I mean, Bob Stoops. I mean, you're comparing this kind of you know bigger, you know, uh, you know. Kind of marshmallowy, you know, um, steak and potatoes, meat and potatoes type guy to Lane Kiffin, but yeah, they just kept going on and on. So, anyways, I don't know if anybody else has any traditions, you know, like that or whatever. But I'd I'd love for people to post them on the board if they've got it. Um, man, you guys, y'all do a great job as always. Um, this sure. week seemed to be, um, it seemed to be a little more work for you. I know the game. The build-up to the game was huge, so you had a lot of content that y'all wanted to get in with all the podcasts and then the Grove Collective stuff and then everything else. I mean, how late are you going to sleep tomorrow morning? 4.30 because it's me. I mean, I, I, I can't – yeah, nothing to do. This is what it is. It's fine. I'm, I'm completely resigned to it. I'm, I'm, I'm an 80 – like, it, it's what worries me a little bit as I get older. I think it's going to get even worse because – my dad would get up at like three thirty in the morning, and I'm like, that's that's where this thing's trending. Is I'm going to be like the three three thirty in the morning kind of guy as this thing moves on. What was a 
what was your heart rate the last three plays or so? Were you completely and utterly nervous? Did you even give them a chance? What'd you think? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a fair question. Um, definitely elevated heart rate um, when we. Well, I guess there was what two minutes to go or two and change, if I remember right. Uh, man, they hit that big gainer and they were down in the red zone. That's when. That's when my heart. That's what I want. I wanted to rip my own heart out at that point. I wanted to, but I was in the same exact little location that I was that we had won the national championship. And it, it, I have like one seat in my house where I would sit and I would have like a drink on the left and the TV controller on the right. And like, I would have to touch both of them at the same time to get the mojo working. Yeah. And then my buddy, uh, my buddy Braden, who also went to Ole Miss, uh, Good guy, good class of '97 as well. Uh, he he was standing in this little spot in front of the TV over to like the left, and so uh, I had a, I had another buddy that was coming, and and I was like I it was over there, and he I said, okay, you have to sit in my seat, and I'll have to go stand over in this 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 spot over here where Braden stands, and 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 it just it works. So sit down, just humor me, please sit down, touch that glass, touch that controller. I'll go stand over here, and this thing mm-hmm. hold my arm. And it's gonna work out. And when, of course, when the fumble happened, I was just—it was—it was every bit. Uh, I was almost every bit as exciting as that last pitch. Yeah. Um, when we closed it out, I mean that—I'm no, not sure anything could compare to that unless Ole Miss um, gets to the championship game and, and wins it somehow. But that—it um, it was a great moment. It was definitely a great moment. Look, this is shaping up to be. This could be the year of the Rebel. It's today was a big one. It's 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 moving in a good direction for Ole Miss. I mean, they get these next two to to really set up quite the night. Or I'm assuming night. I'm hoping for a night because I have a I have a book signing that morning um, in Baton Rouge here for uh, for Ole Miss mm. and LSU in a few weeks. So uh, hey, do me a favor, put the high mm. brown uh, recipe on the board for people. Let's talk about it. Yeah, we'll do. And I'll let you guys go. I'm hoping to hear uh, Neil call in soon. Yeah, I'm waiting on him right now. We'll get to him as soon as he gets here. I appreciate it, bud. Absolutely. Take care. I was getting a call there while we were uh, finishing up there. Glad David called in. So uh, if you want to call back, I will. Uh, I'll have that ability to uh, to answer now. Obviously, I can only take one at a time. So all good. I was missing a call. Call back. We'll get you on the line. Yeah. So what's going on with Bryce Young? Is he banged up? Do I need to flip over? He's in the injury tent. I've still got State Texas A&M on right now, but this this game's kind of bogging down at the moment. Flip it back over to LM in Arkansas. Who's on the line? Steven Amandaville. Hey, Steven. How are you? Hey, Chase. I'm doing well. Thank, thank, thank you. And thank you for doing this after the games. Uh, win or lose, I have really come to make this part of my Saturday routine. So really very much enjoy it. The analysis that you provide and Jeff and uh, when Neil, he's on everybody else. But um, would you say that the Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, ESPN crew, is that the second crew in your opinion, only behind Herb Street and Fowler? Or do you think maybe Tessa Tor and McElroy are that they second have, best it, crew? It, 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 I don't know if it's like, you know, necessarily written down somewhere, but I have been interpreting this as the second crew recently. I could be wrong. I mean, I, I don't know if there's some way to whatever, but 
as I look at it, because they've been bouncing around. I mean, they haven't had a lot of 11 o'clock games. It felt like they took a better crew for this game this time. I did think that. And and I know that this has been discussed on the weekly podcast. Sure. I believe Neil even mentioned that with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma to the conference, that these bigger games may be more prominent in that 11 a.m. spot as well and notice no one's talking about the kickoff now after a win and the crowd came over great from my vantage point um very active very lively great espn crew in the booth so you know given the choice i would rather evening kickoff mid-afternoon second choice 11 a.m would be the last of course but i do believe that this is a reality that is going to be going, excuse me, be going, be going to become more prominent moving forward. Ole Miss really maximized everything to do with today. Everything looked great. It came in after game day. There wasn't the sleepy crowd that we see so much at 11 o'clock. It was really energetic. I mean, I went today for that reason to make sure I saw some of it before I had to leave and, and, and come do the show. But it was – it was dynamic. I mean, I thought that they really, really got there and put their best, best foot forward. My, my issue with the 11-6-30 game, and again, not to bog down too much because that's not necessarily the topic for today, but is that I do think, and it, I'm sure it's ratings-based to an extent. and it's, it's teams that have always done certain things. But there's no doubt that ESPN believes certain teams almost kind of belong in certain time spots. And... I think that Ole Miss, as it does what it did this morning, as it continues to win games, I think Ole Miss is one of these programs that can elevate itself. If, if there's a coin flip, can get into more night games and more 6 thirty games. And then also you have to give the administration credit. They left the, the Grove open a little longer today. They, they're, they're allowing people to maximize versus just the normal three hours after, after kick. So in all ways around, I thought today was a really an A-plus day for Ole Miss. I agree, and I typically don't watch – um, SEC Nation, personally, I find it kind of hokey, each his own. But today I found myself watching a decent amount of it, and I think it blended well with the 11 a.m. kickoff. Having that 11 a.m. kickoff, being able to have live action shots of players warming up, it just seemed to, to flow really well. Now, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I wake up this morning – only to learn that Sling is in contract negotiations yeah. with Disney Network, and I'm a Sling subscriber. So then I was scrambling to figure things out and end up going with uh, Hulu, which sure. I've had before in the past. I've had them all, so I'm satisfied. But that was not – and I'll, I'll end with this because I know this isn't the topic for today, but I had not heard of anything relative to Sling being in negotiations with Disney, and I have my finger on the pulse relatively speaking, with those types of things. So for me to wake up and it be kind of a brick in the face, I think a lot of other folks had to be blindsided as well. Because it was it was Dish, too. It wasn't just Sling. Well, my father-in-law yeah. called me and wanted to come down. The same thing. Same yeah. thing, Dish, as well, because they're Dish subscribers, and uh, he was lamenting that as well. But um, anyway, but no, I just – just from the optics of, of today um, – the crowd showed up. It came across really well on the television. Um, it, it, they seemed to be in it throughout. And it was a great spectator game. You talk about that 
football junkie or just that random um, individual that watches periodically football, that was a great game to watch. It was. Regardless if you had any skin in the game, it really was. So I will be interested to see what the ratings are for this game. Because last year, the, the Arkansas game did really well in that time slot. Mm-hmm. Um did, so I would expect that to be the case as well, especially being so co- close late in the game. But um, I just thought it came over really well. I really, really did. And I just didn't know if you had any insights on, you know, is ESPN trying to really find kind of like this marquee matchup for that 11 a.m. slot? They want to, to uh, keep end view- off of college game day. Yeah, and it's one of those deals. And I'll 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 kind of elaborate on this while I'm waiting for the call. But he it. They want a competitive game to not let people switch over to Fox for Big Noon Saturday. It's maybe it's not number one, number two. I mean, we, we we've had way too much arguments on the side in the podcast about exactly where time slots are, but they don't want to give away that eleven o'clock slot. They want it to have a really competitive, good game there to keep people after game day and not have them flip over to Fox and then be channel surfing the rest of the day. And I just you know I don't know the dominoes that had to fall, but. LSU at home next week is the 11 o'clock game that against Tennessee. And I live yeah. in, I live, you know, 60 miles, um, you know, east of Baton Rouge and they sure. are apoplectic big yeah. time, uh, big time it. about they, that. They, they so, never get 11s. They, they do. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, no, no, I completely agree. Yeah. But Chase, thank you. I don't yeah. want to hold y'all up anymore, but I just, that was at the tip of my mind and I thought it was appropriate to contact you and just share with the folks listening that. Yeah. 11 a.m. aren't the, 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 the number one choice, but I think uh, the Ole Miss crowd and this, the university in itself handled it extremely well. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I appreciate it, bud. Thank you. Take care, Chase. Good day. Who's on the call? What's Hello? up? How you doing? <laughs> Corey from Amory and Pontiac. Yeah, I thought I recognized the number. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm doing good. What's everybody's mood? Uh, well, nobody's in a bad mood. I mean, we were just talking about that's that's about as good as an 11 o'clock game at home with a full crowd and a win over a top 10 team and, you know, something there at the end to get your heart rate up a little bit. Also, seemed like they got out of the game pretty healthy for the most part. I mean, you know, look, I, I get that it's not going in the Grove and watching the games before your game and having that 630 kick, but I bet it's pretty nice also to get out of there about 215, get back to your tent, and then you got four hours after a win to just chill out and, and take it all in. I literally saw Dart take the last nap and get on a knee and pull it into my driveway at 301. Uh, which was awesome. So I'm 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 watching football. I'm gonna light the grill and I, I you know just just uh, I wonder if a lot of people hit that sweet spot of the Ole Miss win and the Kentucky cover. Um, that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. I had it uh, fixed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, hey, you know what? Underrated. I, I I do not like them in basketball. But they were some of the. I don't know if anybody else had similar experience, but I, I got I got to the I got to the Grove at about eight thirty and kind of just walked into a tent. Uh, the, the nicest fans. Um, they were they were. I had I was like the the Pied Piper. I had about twelve of them behind me. Half of them were trying to get to the Union. Half of them were trying to get to the Lyceum to meet people. And I was like, okay, y'all go there. Y'all go follow me. Go straight. You know. Um, 
but they, they seem like a, a nice fan base and were really complimentary of Oxford and, and, uh, and, and were excited about the prospects of, of getting to play there once more than once every 12 years. Um, so I'm really anyway, glad what, they are changing that. That whole six, three thing is going to be so much nicer to get everybody and everybody else in stadium over a four year period. Right, right, right. They, they had, uh, a, a group that I had talked to, uh, had, had, had less nice things to say, let's just say, about other uh, local uh, places they had been to uh, a lot. Um, so they uh, they seem they seem like nice people, and I'm sure glad to escape with a W. Um, can't make it to uh, the Auburn game, so but I, I was I was wanting to meet Grind. Uh, hopefully, we can make that work where where a lot of people can meet him. Uh, but other than that, I just was calling to check in. And, and has uh, have Brian and Jeffrey and Neil called in? I have talked to Jeffrey, kept him a good while, and Neil is telling me he's available in the next few minutes. So we'll get to we'll get to him, and then I've got probably come back to calls, and I've kind of got Brian on retainer for whenever that's uh, that's necessary if it is. It's kind of I got you. Don't forget. I want a book signed, sent to me. I do not want to pay for it. So do that I, for me. I think I think we can figure that out. Probably gonna be all right. What, what, <laughs> what do you what, what do you want the inscription to say, Corey? What would you like to, in, inside the book? Just like you, never a doubt. <laughs> hey, how bad's Amory gonna beat Hatley Friday? They're playing Friday. I didn't even know they're playing. Uh, are they division still? Yeah, I think so. Uh, name your score. I mean, I think they're pretty yeah, good. Um, my one of my one of my really good friends. is Son's uh, uh, the starting strong safety. He's uh, Maranto. Uh, he's commi- committed to play baseball at Northwest. But he's a he's a I call him Walker Concussion Maranto because he he stays concussed all the time. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, they're uh, I, I think they're pretty good. I, I think they're they're you know being being the biggest three A team helps. So yeah, three we'll three A is a much softer landing spot than four A, isn't it? So. Yeah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be the smallest four A or the biggest three A when they redo everything again. So yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see. All right, yeah. get after it, cat. All right, appreciate it, bud. Who we got on the line? Hey Chase, this is Mark from Tupelo. Hey Mark, what's up? Hey bud. So two things very quickly. Great show as you always uh, do. I thought, uh, I don't know if you watched Feinbaum uh, uh, yesterday, but uh, he was a little critical of Kiffin, and I did predict to my friends that uh, I had said, and I agreed with what Neil was saying, probably the best uh, deliverer of the message is not Lane Kiffin making $9 million a year about people, what they should do with their tickets. But uh, so Keith Carter comes in there, and I thought that was a very positive, great um, a little tweet or whatever it was, a little video that he sent out. But my question is this. Uh, so, obviously, we did what we needed to do. I was a nervous wreck the entire dead gum second half. But going forward, um, do you think that our passing game is getting to the point to where it should be, or do you think we shouldn't keep looking for that? Let's just settle for uh, the run game that we've kind of implemented, and I and by the way, and, and secondly or thirdly, uh, did you think that uh, uh, Dart ran as much as you would have expected today? I'm gonna hang up and listen to your answers. Thank you, bud. Right, I appreciate it. And I'll, I'm gonna answer this, and then I'm gonna give Neil a call in a second. So if you're um, 
you're calling. I'm not ignoring you. I'm just going to get this and make sure I get Neil on and then kind of out on top for him to finish content. Uh, the passing game has chances to get better because of how good the run game is. I do think there's more that they can do. I think Dart will continue to get more comfortable. I think you can see – or there's the opportunity to see tight ends be more involved as Trigg gets more comfortable and, frankly, just gets more consistent. I mean, you saw how pissed off Lane was at him early in the game. He had a catch later that they were on the – I guess that was at the end of the first half when they were driving down and threw the interception right after that because he sort of swerved back to the field rather than get out of bounds with the clock running down. Because of the way Ole Miss runs the ball, there should be more opportunities. But Ole Miss doesn't have the guy that takes the top off, really. They're a physical wide receiver group. They catch the ball. They don't really have drops. But it's more possession-based. It's not the big play down the field, run by everybody kind of deal. So that changes the look of um, that changes the look of things from a passing game standpoint. There's no doubt about that. And I thought that Dart gave it on a lot of RPOs today. I don't, you know, he ran it a couple times because the snaps were where they had lost timing and they kind of had to do that. But, yeah, he definitely did not run the ball the same. They, that was okay. I mean, you fed Judkins. It was sort of the way the pace of the game played out. Um, it was really good. I mean, I, I thought the game plan made sense for Ole Miss today. There's some things they can tweak, some things they can get better at, but they moved the ball. A lot of their mistakes were self-inflicted. A lot of their mistakes were things that they just sort of did themselves. They, Kentucky didn't necessarily stop them a lot. For, for it to only be 22 points. Um, Ole Miss dictated a lot of things. It just didn't they, that that did not translate into points from from that standpoint. Uh, all right, let's get Neil on the on the call. I thought I might call him in a second, so let's go ahead and do that. Calls, new call. How are you, Mr. McCready? I am good. Let me get uh, let me get out of this press box area and the quieter place. Hang on one second. I'm getting the well, I mean, team radio here. You wouldn't be the first person to be a little loud today there, so I think you're probably okay if you want to go ahead and I think, pick your voice I up. I think I can walk outside. I, I think I walked outside. Can you hear me okay now? I can hear you fine. Okay, good. I just trying to. Let's try not to disturb people writing. You know how it is on those tight games like that. Everybody, everybody's you, – you can't really start writing until the game's basically over. Was it like last week where the col- column was written and you just inserted score? It created problems for me even because I was – I mean, observations are completely different if Ole Miss wins versus loses that game. And then like 10 minutes after it was over, I went, hell, I've got to get all this set up and get moving. And I had to just – abomination there early on of trying to get all the stuff produced and set up and it was whatever it was kind of clunky but it'll be all right everybody's in a good mood it would it would have been a really big problem had Ole Miss lost the game and I don't have my crap straight and then we're all (laughs) over the place that would that would have been a bit of an issue but everybody was was all right um so many different places to start I mean I won't keep you too terribly long because I know you still got writing to do but I guess start with anything uh important out of the press conference what was lane like kind of set that up and then i'll go back through the game a little bit you know lane was fine i think lane was already shifting uh, a little bit into the mode that he's going to have to shift into which is you know they're they're probably going to move up in the polls uh they're going to either get into the top 10 or they're going to push the top 10 
there is going to start being a different level of hype about this team. We talked about it last week. I, I mean, I feel really good about all the stuff that we wrote and did and said because we, we said for a long time this was going to be a really good game between two really good teams, and it was probably going to come down to the fourth quarter. And there were some people who pushed back, and they said Kentucky sucks, and they're overrated, and blah, blah, blah. They're not. They don't suck. They're not overrated. Levis has some ball security issues, but Levis also has some serious talent, and he is a threat. And Barry and Brown is a stud on the outside, and Rodriguez is a very good back. And They are a dangerous team. They're a physical defense. They swarm. You knew this was going to be a really good game between two really good teams, and one of the things that we kept saying, and now it holds true, and it, was, it would have held true had Kentucky won. The winner of this game is in a rarefied air a little bit now in terms of the conversation that's going to take place. Ole Miss is going to be 10, 11 or so in the AP poll. They get at Vanderbilt next week. I mean, I think realistically that's a game Ole Miss wins. They get Auburn back here in two weeks from today, and this place will be a zoo again, and, and they should win. And they're going to be 7-0. and Going to Baton Rouge. Um, going to Baton Rouge on October the 22nd to play LSU, and we'll see what LSU is. At probably point. at 2.30 on CBS. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 yeah, prob- almost certainly. So, you know, they're in a different conversation. And to answer your question in a really, really, really long-winded fashion, Lane was, I think, already shifting to, hey, it was just one win. Um, you know, it was a win that could have gone either way. It was a game that could have gone either way. There was, you know, you, you got to be careful not to make too much of it when, when you do that because that's how you can get in trouble. And he's right. Um, and yet at the same time, I think he acknowledged that given the timing of this weekend, a lot of recruits here, the whole Grove Collective uh, reboot and all of that stuff and um, national media that was here and stuff. This was this was a really big moment. And, you know, a week after criticizing the fans, he um, he gave the fans at least a possibility of a chance that they contributed to the win because Kentucky moves the ball to the six-yard line and they score a touchdown on the next play. It got negated because of an illegal shift. And he said it's possible that the reason they were still moving and, and – and didn't execute that play was because of the crowd noise down there in the what end zone is that? I guess that's the north end zone. I get I still get end yeah. zones confused here. Yeah. Um, you think I'd get my directions after all the years <laughs> I've covered this team, but I, I still screw it up. Uh, north end zone, you know where the students were, and it was really loud. And Kentucky had a had a mistake, and then the next play, uh, you know, Jared Ivy, who I just wrote a story, my game story is kind of built around him. Uh, Jared Ivy makes that play that. Obviously, will be remembered for a long time, especially if this ends up being a, a special season. So that, that's kind of what he touched on. Um, he knows that they're going to start getting talked about a lot in a different type of conversation, not just a good program, but a program that's starting to push for elite status, a program that is um, going to wake up tomorrow very much in the SEC West race. I mean, certainly early, very early. And Arkansas is not Arkansas. I meant Alabama is winning at Arkansas big. Alabama is an elite, um, elite, elite, elite program. But who knows? Hey, and I mean, it's you hope he's not hurt just for his own health. But what about the shoulder? I mean, what if? 
Yeah, you wonder. I, I mean, mean, I haven't seen it because I've been I've been writing. But you wonder, you know, was that a labrum? Was that a uh, you know what was that? And and uh, I'm told that that Young's you know um, the way he kind of slammed his helmet down and stuff. He obviously felt like something was wrong. And if if suddenly they don't have the Heisman winner and they're going with a young quarterback and they have to come here, they still have to go to Knoxville. They still have to go to Baton Rouge. You know, I mean, of the four games that they had that we talked about with Arkansas being the first, Arkansas was the worst, the easiest matchup for them because Arkansas is so one-dimensional on defense. They can't stop the pass. Well, those other teams, I mean, Tennessee's not a great defensive team. Ole Miss, Ole Miss has a chance to be a pretty damn good defensive team. They held Kentucky to 320-some-odd yards today. Levis was effective, but he never hit the deep ball. He was 18 of 24 for 220 and a couple of touchdowns, but he didn't hit that deep ball. They took those deep shots with Brown, but they never connected. Um, I don't know, Chase. I'm just talking. It was. It was. I mean, look. I think we're going to get about three weeks of looking ahead to LSU and talking about what might be. And between then, Alabama's got to play a couple of games and potentially got to play in Knoxville without Bryce Young, which would be. A pretty big storyline. Alabama now up twenty-eight to nothing on Arkansas. Um, two fifty. Simpson and a quarterback. quarterback. No, Jalen Milrow is playing. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. No. No. I think Simpson Simpson's third team right now. Um, AJ McCarron insinuating some sort of AC joint and also some potential rotator cuff situation. Yeah, you wonder whenever you see stuff like that, you think labrum, rotator cuff, stuff like that. That's, that's certainly unfortunate because everybody who has ever been around Bryce Young raves about him. I talked to Jeffrey for a while and just kind of what today meant for Ole Miss, sort of the Ole Miss program in general. I guess we sort of were dovetailing it off Fine Bomb and all his Auburn questions and all that stuff to Sus. But Ole Miss maximized this 11 o'clock thing today as well as you possibly can. The stadium was striped. I mean, they did a hell of a job that I didn't expect them to do, if I'm just being fully honest. Uh, it was packed. They go. They win the game. They win the game on a big play. They sort of win the game the Kentucky way, which right now is the Ole Miss way, the way they're playing this season. Kiffin showing Can I give you a hot take? Yeah, sure. Can I give you a hot take from somebody who, who I think views this pretty damn objectively? Okay. This stadium, and I'm I'm sitting at the 41 yard line right now on the outside, looking looking out on it. This stadium looks much better on TV and in person during the daytime than it does at night. I'm just going to tell you that from the way the kids look at it. It's my opinion. I, I believe okay, this firmly. Right. It's it's a gorgeous stadium in the daytime. At night, because of the way the lights are done and stuff, it's kind of dark. It looks kind of gloomy sometimes, in my opinion. This place, like last year for the, the the Arkansas game, a few years ago when they beat Alabama here during the day, they've beaten LSU here during the day. Now today, beating um, beating um, um, Neil, you just covered it. Kentucky, <laughs> they they beat Florida uh, here. I saw the highlights of that. Got thrown around. The, the some guy, a linebacker intercepted Rex Grossman a couple of times. That was a day game. This place is kind of different in the daytime than it is at night. Frankly, it was really electric in here today. You were here for the first half. It was electric in there, down on the field at the end. I mean, this place was rowdy. I, I think it's just one guy's opinion, and I know the Grove and drinking all day, and I get it. I, Ole Miss ought to start embracing the day thing a little bit. Frankly, they have more success in the daytime than they do at night. 
Well, I just told, I guess I was talking to Corey, he called in a second ago, and I was telling him, it, there's probably something, even if you're one of these, if you're, if you're somebody who's mad about the Grove from a standpoint of the game, and I get you got to get up early and you got to get there and all that stuff, and I understand that, but I bet they're having a damn good time right now. And you got back in the Grove at 2 o'clock after beating a top 10 team, and you're just hanging out watching other teams play the rest of the day, knowing you're waking up tomorrow, you said, like, number 10 of the country or something. I mean, to me, that's even better than getting there at 12 and watching games, waiting all nervous for your game at 630. I mean, just partying. Look, Ole Miss is winning. That's 13 in a row at home right now. It's 13 in a row. I, I mean, 16 and 3 out of the last 19. I mean, I, I know it's my shtick, and I told Jeffrey and I, people watching that have been here the whole time, you're hearing me repeat myself, but Ole Miss has done exactly to every T what – they needed to do was quit being the side joke and quit being the egg, one of the players in the egg bowl crap and being the team on probation that quote uncheated and all the free stuff. Now they're just a team that wins a lot of freaking home games, wins a lot of games in general, puts really good crowds in for big games. And is an sec program that frankly expects to win every day when they walk out on the field and they have a dynamic coach when they do it, they've become the most boring sec team in the best possible way. I hadn't even thought about it like that, but yeah, you're right. There's there's um, no shtick because they're, they're not even plucky anymore. They just win. No, I mean, I get they're not Alabama, they're, they're Georgia, but it's not like, oh, look at Cinderella, cute, having a good season. Nah, no, not at not at all. I mean, if there's any knock on them right now, it's that their second half offense is struggling. That's it, and it is. They're they're a really good defensive team. They've got players at just about every position. They've got this young freshman tailback who's a freaking stud. Um, they they were able to, you know, they, in the second half, they were kind of going for a long time. They were Not the second half, but the first half, I should say. They were going with two freshman tackles and Pettis and Williams. Um, they've got this young quarterback who makes plays. Now, he still makes mistakes. And he threw a ball into coverage today that got picked. He threw another couple of balls that could have gotten picked. Yet Lane was pretty complimentary of Jackson's play. Uh, he's a charismatic kid. I repeat this for the gazillionth time because I think it's pertinent. He's 19. He's only going to get better. They haven't seen anything resembling the best out of Michael Trigg yet. Um, and Lane was upset at Trigg on that illegal procedure on the opening drive where they ended up having to punt. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, they just the – Cruz came in. They, they bring Cruz in because they needed a kicker. They kind of go out and sign a kicker basically to a one-year deal and – he ends up making a really big 53-yard kick. I mean, we didn't think about how big that kick was at the time, but that was a really big kick. Um, Xavier Harris, the freshman, blocks an extra point. Turned out to be really big. It impacted kind of the way, you know, Kentucky played a little bit. You got a safety in the end zone where they, they, they stopped Levis. And that, they just did a lot of good things, and you're right. they're not. It's not shtick. It's not the Lane Kiffin clipboard thing anymore. They're just good. It's maybe one of the better program things from a perception standpoint that they're having this season where they're winning, winning with the run game and defense and physicality and swarming and in and, and, and belief. I mean, Ole Miss loses that game today if that's a fragile mental team who expects to lose. They don't. They expect to win. They made some plays. They got, they got unlucky and lucky all together there in the last two minutes of the game in different ways. And they pulled out one against a really good program in Kentucky that's been very solid and steady under Mark Stoops for a long well, time. You, you just said, but you just said a key word there. They just beat a team by believing that the team that they beat believed it was going to win. I yeah. was watching the Kentucky sideline when 
uh, the Finley play that, where uh, Levis fumbled. That Kentucky sideline, no one dropped their head. They, I watched the offense walk over to the sideline. They got in a huddle, and they started working. Okay, here we're going to get it back, and here's what we're going to do. They, that was a veteran team that has won a bunch of games. Again, Kentucky had won 15 of the last 18 games, too, now. So I watched them over on that sideline. I was down standing on the Ole Miss sideline at about the 15-yard line, and I was staring right across at them. There was a complete confidence that, hey, we're about to get the ball, we're going to march down the field, and we're going to score. And they did get the ball back, got it back, and got down to the six-yard line, and everybody on their sideline believed they were going to score. There was a little bit of frustration on the, on the uh, illegal shift. They were kind of pissed mm-hmm. off. But it was still total, totally believed they were going to score. And until Ivy knocked the ball out and, and Tavius Robinson picked it up, they believed. And I think that's important. You weren't beating Vanderbilt today. You were beating a pretty damn good program that's going to win a bunch of games this year. Make no mistake. Kentucky played exactly how I thought they would play from the standpoint of you, and you'll agree here, if you don't meet their standard, then you lose. And if you play better than them, you yes. win. That, that's where Kentucky is yes. as a program, is that if you can elevate past exactly what they did today, you will win the game. But by God, you better do it. You've got to get there. Yeah, they're going to show it. They're going to show up. And they're going to play their game, and they're going to be physical, and they're going to exert their will as much as they possibly can, and they're going to – uh, they're going to do that deal that they do on defense where they bend a little bit, but they don't break. Ole Miss had 399 yards of offense. That's, that's solid, but it's no one's going to go, oh, boy, Ole Miss lit the scoreboard on fire because it didn't. They, they're, they're going to give you what they give you. They're going to take away what they take away, and uh, they're, they're going to be pretty fundamentally sound. Levis holds on to the ball too long. He, his, pass, his pocket awareness is lacking. Uh, his, his ball security – probably a little shaky. Those are things that he has to work on. But make no mistake, he can beat you. And he has he has skills. I've seen people go, oh, he's overrated. I, I disagree. After watching him in person today, I disagree. I mean, I'm not taking him with the first pick in the draft. But if you're telling me that guy plays in the NFL, I'm not even remotely surprised. Um, no, you, you, you beat a good team today that believed they were going to come in here and win. And they brought a bunch of people down here for this game. This was – this was two of the best programs in the country, country and conference going against each other today. This was, if, if you, excluding Alabama and Georgia, who are the two best programs in the nation. Sure. Ole Miss and, and Kentucky are right there. I mean, right there. If, if Ohio State wins today and they're winning big over Rutgers, I think, Ole Miss and Ohio State have the same record in the last 19 games. That's not completely fair because Ohio State's played – I guess some conference championships and things of that nature, but still, how many other teams in the country have won sixteen in the last nineteen? Small list. I mean, it's Alabama, it's Alabama, Georgia, it's Ohio State, it's Ole Miss. Maybe there's somebody else. I don't know. Not many. I mean, that really if that's about you, it. Can't say it. LSU can't say it. Uh, Mississippi the, State can't say it. Texas A&M can't Texas say it. Arkansas A&M can't say it. Currently, is getting worked by State. It cannot say it. No, can't say it. You know, I mean, Florida can't say it. Tennessee can't say it. I mean, it, it's, it's pretty rarefied air. I mean, the next step is that you've got to – but here's where Ole Miss is. To, I mean, kind of put it in perspective. All that's left now for this program, it's, pro, it's proven over the years it can win big. It's proven over the years that it can, it can go to access bowls. Proven everything except it can win the SEC West and, and, and win the SEC and compete for national championships. That's what's left. 
That's where they are. I mean, that's the standard that they're held to. It's not about not about being cute anymore. It's about, okay, go finish the deal. And there was some talk about that, you know, that they think they're close and now it's a matter of, of finishing, you know, and they were talking specifically about, you know, some finishing drives and stuff like that. But it, I think it applies in a bigger picture sense to where they are as a program. What's left is be consistent um, and finish. Beat Vanderbilt. Beat beat Auburn, and when you go down to Baton Rouge, go down there with a different kind of attitude. Don't go down there with that attitude that that 2014 team had. Go down there with an attitude of, hey, we're we're showing up to win because we think we're better than you, and we really don't give a damn about the venue and things like that. And I think for the over the next three weeks, that's we're going to start kind of pivoting to that game subtly, and it's going to be a really big game depending on what LSU looks like over the next couple of weeks. And not to get way ahead, but you win that one. I told you this last week. I don't think A&M's any good. Tyler and I have thought about this because Tyler kind of thinks A&M's a good team. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't care where that game's played. I think Ole Miss matches up really, really well with Texas A&M. I don't think A&M can score much on Ole Miss. And so that sets up a – you know what that would set up. So that's kind of where they are. <laughs> what, are you, what are you looking I mean, ahead to there? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't think A and M's good. Now, look, I think, I think Alabama's terrific, and I still think the game in Fayetteville for Ole Miss. I don't care what happens to Arkansas season, the game in Fayetteville for Ole Miss is going to be, going to be a hell of a hell of an exam. I mean, I do, I think that, but, and I think the Egg Bowl's got a chance to be a real challenge because State's going to do State's thing, and you know, and and, but I think this offense for Ole Miss is going to get better each week. I think Jackson's going to play better. Um, you know, he, they're going to take some shots and, and try to do some things down the road. And he's got a couple of weeks now, I think, to, to really improve and gain confidence and stuff like that. But they're in a great spot because because they wake up tomorrow just in the conversation, the conversation that we've had a few times, we, we've had just now, and we're going to have a bunch of times over the next few weeks because they're just going to move up as teams play. And Everything's in front of them. It's a total opportunity. And they, again, today they beat a really good Kentucky team. Don't. The people who are doing this thing of Kentucky over, uh, they're not. I mean, I was, you were here, you saw it. Mm -hmm. I was here, you you had to go back to get ready. That second half for Kentucky was a hell of an impressive performance. That, that's what good teams do on the road. And you had to be really resilient to hang on and win that game. And twice, AJ Finley and then Jared Ivey made plays. That's what you had to do. You had, you've got championship teams make plays, and they did. Almost halftime in Starkville, fourteen nothing Mississippi State, and A and M's defense has played incredibly well. But its offense is so bad that it's just in constant it bad sucks. situations. Their offense it, sucks. It's 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 Devin A chain, and that's it. Yeah, it, it's awful. And it's State gets and loud and kind of whatever. You, you give State that type of momentum, that becomes a hellaciously difficult place to play. Of course and it does. It's loud. The, the bells and all that stuff, it's a loud place. I mean, that's what we're when talking about. When they're good. Yeah, it's what Texas and Oklahoma are going to see. Good luck. Week after week. Go oh, ahead. yeah. I mean, we'll talk about this a lot, yeah. a lot next, yeah, yeah. next week. Oklahoma's, Oklahoma and Texas. But more and more, I mean, and you kind of called this, and I was, I was like, I don't know. We'll see. That that's starting to look like they made a reach at at coaching, yeah. and I'm a, maybe maybe real bad timing on that because this this league 
this league's a different deal now because I'm telling you, Oklahoma sits over there and they look at Ole Miss and Kentucky, for example, since we just watched these two teams play what I thought was a really classic game. And they look at their schedule every year. They'll go, oh, Ole Miss, that's a W. At Kentucky, that's a W. <laughs> I got a newsflash. Those are not free Ws, champ. Um, I think Lane Kiffin would be happy with some way to trade for Barry and Brown. That dude is a beast. I mean, he's good a stud. God. He tripped over a teammate's uh, shoe or else that kickoff returns a touchdown. And then on the play, I don't know who caught him at the six-yard line, seven-yard. I don't whoever caught him. Play of the day. Kudos to – I think it was Trey Washington maybe. I don't – someone caught him and whoever it was, unbelievable. Because that when I was down on the field and when he turned, I went, he's gone. And I didn't think anybody would catch him. Someone took the exact right angle and got him. It was, yeah, it was – on well, the and Kentucky's first touchdown came off the long kick return. I mean, where they got a cheap kind of short field there. Because at that moment, they weren't yeah, doing no. anything offensively. I mean, memo to future teams playing them. Just don't kick it to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what you got to do, but don't kick it to him. He's, uh, he's a weapon. Kind of last thing. I thought – I know the snaps were bad. We'll talk about that, try to figure out what they can do. I mean, it just sort of is what it is right now because it messed up so much timing. Um, but the actual line play was better today. I thought that considering they were all jumbled and had people all over the place. And I mean, I'm sure Pettis got reamed for the false start on, on that first drive when Lane was going to go for it and had fourth and one instead of end up punting off fourth. And well, they six. called, they, they, they called it on Pettis, but they were pissed at Trigg. Trigg didn't line up correctly. So he did something wrong. Until okay. twice. So twice on that play, they had to whistle, you know, whistle over and, and get them to turn and look. And so instead of getting the playoff in 10 or 11 seconds, it was 20-some seconds, and, and he, he ended up jumping. But I think they were blaming Trigg more than they blamed Pettis. Okay. Point being, I thought the offensive line, considering it was all jumbled, nobody was in the right places, I thought they played really well today both ways because while Kentucky does have some offensive line issues, they're pretty good up front on defense. Yeah, I, I thought they were pretty good up front. I mean, in general, they opened up some holes. They, they and had a big run with Judkins. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But you know, Judkins had a big. And by the way, Malik Heath had a big block on that play. Um, yeah, they, they were good. I mean, look, it was two. It was two really good teams that played a three-point game down to the final, inside the final minute with the game undecided. It, it, that's what it was. it was. Two two really good teams played a really good game. We met, we played with Jackson Dart, and he must have had some baseball because the way he was sliding. I think it played out more today because he fielded all those ground balls and all those bad snaps, and it gets in your head a number of different ways. It's A, you have to pick up the snap. B, you have to make sure your eyes stay down the field. A, C, you're actually thinking about it before the snap comes because you know it might be all over the place. That He kept the offense on schedule in a situation where somebody with a little less composure, frankly him maybe weeks ago, they would have bogged down with those snaps issues. You, you, you would have seen teams and quarterbacks that just went completely incompetent because of what was going on, just getting the play and getting the ball off. Yeah, I, mean, I failed was, to ask this if I meant to. I'll, t- I'll try to remember to ask on Monday. I thought it really disrupted the timing of the offense as well. Mm-hmm. There was a play that Kentucky made early in the third quarter on their, their touchdown drive to tie the game um, where they ran a like a jet sweep. And the timing on it was just absolutely perfect, like to the point where you're like, I don't know how Levis got the ball out of his hands. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, 
Ole Miss, those kind of plays were not available to Ole Miss because of the, the, the timing with snaps and stuff. And I mean, look, if, if you're, if you're looking for something to nitpick, and I don't think it's even nitpicking. I mean, if you're looking for something to worry about, it's what happens if something happens to Caleb Warren. I mean, I joked about it in the press box. I mean, who would have ever guessed that the MVP of this team would be Caleb Warren? But he's awfully important. I mean, he's as important as anybody on the team. Yeah, Eli Acker's in his first year as a is a full time starter, and he's having to change positions into one he doesn't play. I mean, it just is what it is. So, yeah, Eli's a good Eli's a really good guard right now, and I don't mean this as a criticism. I mean, he's trying hard, but he's he's ineffective as a center in terms of snapping the football right now, and almost to the point where if Acker's going to be in the game, you've got to get under center some. Mm-hmm. And you know they did. I guess the second play of the game, I thought it actually would have made sense just as a as an offensive philosophy the way everything was going because it would have, as you said, it would have helped the uh, the timing for sure. Uh, last thing, just Vanderbilt not what on, not what they've worked on. Yeah, well, right, Vanderbilt on Saturday. What's your line guess? I asked Jeffrey. Here's what you think. Oh, let's see. Ole Miss minus twenty three and a half. Jeffrey guessed 21. So, yeah, somewhere in that. And okay. that's, yeah. that's, that's can, right. That's I don't think Ole Miss is ever going to be what, what's your guess? in the game. Uh, what's, your, what's your guess on a line? Yeah, I don't know, 19 to 21, somewhere in there. Okay. So you yeah. think I'm a little high. I don't know. I mean, okay. Ole Miss just isn't scoring a lot I am. of points. I am the one that let us, you know, we we have a new advertiser, so maybe I am a little high. I mean, maybe that's oh, what it is. Oh, look at you. Um, <laughs> I'm you not. I, I couldn't you, be more sober. You and I both got the Ole Miss win and Kentucky cover, right? I said Ole Miss by three or four all week. I, I yeah. miss a bunch. I'm, I'm giving myself credit when I get one right. I, I did not okay. see a blowout in this game. You, remember, you and I talked about this. We yeah, would yeah. finish a show and we're like, are we crazy? Because all these people are talking about a blowout. I just – I didn't see a scenario where either one of these teams blew the other out today. I just yeah. didn't. Yeah, I picked Ole Miss twenty three twenty. So I had twenty one. I had twenty one seventeen. Okay. Um, Oklahoma State is beating the hell out of Baylor. By the way, I had that one. Oklahoma State's really good. They're like a sneaky. They're a sneaky title contender. And Wake is popping Florida State. Oh, yeah? How about that? I'm going to get that one, too. Yeah, there you go. So, hey, I got right. my money line. Uh, 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 Illinois beat oh. Wisconsin. I mean, I'm having I'm having a day. Okay, there you go. Uh, Tyler is not having a day. I don't think the Razorbacks are going to be I know. Bad, so. I know. I had a, and I had a Alabama covering. Yeah, there you go. I mean, hey, don't count me out, man. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the column? I know you're about to go right. Yeah, I'm about to go right. Um, the column is going to be, and when you read at the beginning of it, you'll go see that's why you have to go to games. Um, on the sideline as the game was ending, Kelvin Bolden was yelling up into the stands. And uh, he was yelling, stay home, stay home. And at first I was like, what? Who are you talking about? And then I looked kind of in the air. He was yelling into the recruiting section, and he was yelling oh. at Dante Dowdell. And so that's the lead to my column is kind of what a day it was for them as a program and, um, oh, you know, cool. where you go from here and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's why you go. People say, why, why, do you, why do you go to the games? You can cover it from TV. And you can. 
but sometimes you can't get the little things. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to knock that out. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Okay, Chase, see you. Neil McCready, thanks for his time. I've still got some work to do here as he's trying to get out of the press box. Yeah, again, you can't can't really write ahead in a game like that. It sort of is what it is. Um, number still on the screen, 662-259-7556. I'm actually going to write that down because I'm going to go to stats for a minute and nobody calls. We'll go over those. We'll look at those. But I need a pen that I may not have in front of me, actually, which is – oh, here we go. Sorry. No, mind. Because I don't think I have the hotline number on the next screen. I don't have the program. 662-259-7556 if you'd like to call. Again, thanks, Neil, for uh, for his time. Let's see. Yeah, I got the stats page up. Um yeah, Jackson Dart, 15 of 29, 213. He threw one pick, no uh, no touchdowns today. But I, I thought Jackson was pretty good. I mean, I know that he got lucky on a couple balls across the middle. Could have had another extra turnover or two, but he, he played pretty well. He's, he's played tough. He's been smart as far as run pass, getting down, a lot of those kind of things. He's been really good from that standpoint, I thought. Um, and he, he does. He's more comfortable by the day. He's getting better. Um, Jackson's growing. I mean, he's still in his, again, his first full year as a starting quarterback. I know he started some games from SC last year, but this is the first time it's just been his team outside of the Central Arkansas game where it's just go and be the starter and be the leader and have a team with, you know, really lofty expectations on your shoulders. I mean, that's a difference too. I mean, SC was not going to go win the national title last year. They were not going to be 7-0 and doing whatever that's possibility for Ole Miss here in Baton Rouge. I mean, it's a different mindset for Jackson Dart, and I think he's coming into that pretty well. It's, you know, we're grading him on somewhat of a curve that is deserved and just the way it is. He's got to go win games. I mean, you don't get a curve when it comes to the scoreboard, but I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing maturation out of uh, out of Dart for sure. There's no doubt about that. Who's on the line? Hey, this is Tom all the way up in Maryland. Hey, Tom, what's up? Hey, I got a quick question for you, just a hypothetical. I thought it was interesting. Sure. If you uh, could pick any previous Ole Miss player from, you know, recent history probably to uh, plan on this Ole Miss office, I'd say defense, but they seem to be doing pretty okay. Who do you think you pick and why? I've got three options, and I'll hang up and hear you talk about yours. I'm thinking either one, whoever the best center is in recent history, most reliable center. Um, two, you can't go wrong with like a Laramie Tunzel type to solidify offensive line with, you know, freshmen on the ends. And But three, who I think I might pick would probably be like Mike Wallace to really, yeah, well, you know, have an over-the-top threat to just really give that option that doesn't seem to be there right now. But anyway, that's my thoughts. I'll, I'll hang up. Okay, appreciate it. That's a really good question because you can go in any of three of those things. And my first thought was absolutely add a wide receiver to this team. That just made the most sense to me. But the more you think about it, you get better in so many areas from offensive line play, a center. And, I mean, Mitchell makes a good point. You just go grab Matt Corral, who's seasoned at the end, and just have a dynamic quarterback and let him hope he can throw some receivers open. And basically, you know, you have – 
some semblance of last year's team. Um, I, I think it has to be a wide receiver. I mean, if I have a chance to grab an elite left tackle, then you that changes a lot of stuff. But this team needs an over-the-top presence. There's just no doubt about that. That's that, that's what it needs. I mean, what do you guys think? What's the answer on the string? There's a lot of you guys still on. Who would you add to this team, say, over the last 15 years, if you could add somebody? Wide receivers, you could have Mike Wallace. You could have Dex. You could have AJ, DK, Laquan, Dante, Tunzel, Corral. Chad Kelly. A lot of dudes. Mingo was getting bracketed today. That's why he was not getting – yeah, DK Metcalf, obviously. Yeah, Mingo was not getting looks because he was being – they took they, – their plan was to take him away. It opened up a lot of things for Heath, even beyond the catches he did get. I think, I think he had nine targets but only six catches, but he went over the 100-yard mark, so it was a good day for Malik. But they were trying to make sure that – that Mingo did not beat them. That was the that was the goal here. Um, Will Levis, eighteen of twenty four, two hundred and twenty yards, two touchdowns. He was fine. He was fine. That's what he was. I mean, he was he, he was he was okay. He was good. He was efficient. He didn't make any critical mistakes. He still Levis to me does not look comfortable in the pocket. If I have my main criticism of him is that he just seems to get some kind of some happy feet. He does some some different things with pressure. He he the way he kind of throws the ball when he's under duress. We knew that was a possibility, and I thought that was potentially the case. I just thought, you know, they Ole Miss blitzed him early. They sold out. They brought one or two more than you're used used to seeing with Ole Miss in those situations, and it worked. I mean, it really did. It worked well to get at Levis there at that point. Um, Memphis is Evan Ingram. Obviously, would give him a tight end. Add something there from that standpoint. Um, for Kentucky, Rodriguez, 19 touches or 19 carries, 72 yards, a touchdown. Yeah, only average 3.8. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's how little miss I thought played defensively is that Rodriguez gets so many trash yards. And if he still only averaged 3.8, that meant he's getting hit at least inside two yards every time and maybe even less than that. I mean, that's a lot of contact around the line of scrimmage. I thought Ole Miss's front seven defensively. Did a nice job from that standpoint. Um, nobody really hurt Ole Miss from a receiving standpoint for Kentucky. They had one person with four catches. A couple with Rodriguez actually had three catches in the passing game, but yeah, nothing there. And then for Ole Miss again, Quinshawn Judkins goes 15 for 106. He averaged 7.1 per carry. Had a long of 48. That was a huge hole, and then his burst there for that touchdown early in the first quarter. On uh, on that one, the one score. So again, he's going over 100 yards three of his five games as a rebel. He had 98 against Georgia Tech. So four of the five games, at least 98 yards for Judkins. And it's not like he's getting tons of touches. I mean, he had 27 a week ago against Tulsa, but that's the only time he's had the really heavy load from that standpoint. Dart carries the ball eight times for 40 yards. He had a long of 12. He averaged five there on uh, on that. Zach Evans finishes with nine carries for 24 yards. He only averages 2.7 yards per carry. I thought he was pretty good early, and then I mean, we didn't see him much, but I just did not think that maybe he had his, his uh, normal burst. I know that before the game, Chris Lowe had reported that he had his best week of practice. I mean, I, was, I would assume that came from Lane, but I have, uh, I have no, no, no clue. <clears throat> 
sorry for the ambient uh, noise, G. I apologize for uh, for that, even though it's not my fault. So sorry for that. Uh, Ole Miss, from a receiving standpoint, yeah, Maliki, six catches, 100 yards, nine targets for him. He gets almost twice as many targets as the next guy. Michael Trigg gets targeted five times. He turns that into three catches for 41 yards. Watkins, two catches, 49 yards. Judkins, one for 14. Mingo, one for three. Just uh, Mingo was actually targeted six times, but only got one uh, only one catch in that. That's interesting. Then Zach Evans, one catch, three yards. And uh, Casey Kelly, one catch for three yards as well. Again, 213 receiving passing yards for, for the Rebels. So that is uh, kind of quick stats look there. Again, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss defensively kept Kentucky under 300 yards of total offense until that final series. So they played really well from uh, from that standpoint. Um, Kentucky kept the ball for almost 37 minutes. I haven't looked at total plays. I can do that, but it's going to take a lot of moving around. But 37 minutes of total offense and then uh, under 300 yards until that final series. So, again, 662-259-7556. Any, uh, any final calls? We're right at two hours, something like that. As, uh, as usual, again, Ole Miss getting a huge – Win over Kentucky, twenty-two nineteen. The score for uh, for that one. Um, setting up Vanderbilt next week, and then Auburn, and then LSU. I mean, really and truly, it's it's a great opportunity for Ole Miss. And you look down that schedule, and not to get overly carried away, but LSU's not terrific. It's a winnable game. You get A and M, get Alabama. That Alabama home game still just kind of sitting there. Even though there's a lot of work to do before that. I mean, you don't want to get um, uh, too far down the the rabbit hole on that one, but six six two two five nine seven five five six is the uh, is the number call. Got anything we haven't talked about? Talked about a lot. It's just a just a great day for Ole Miss. I mean, I did that. They, they maximized that and did as well of a job as they could have done. I thought it was a really really good effort for. Uh, Ole Miss today from a perception standpoint, from the standpoint of getting the crowd in. It gets all the attendance stuff out of the way. You know, I mean, again, it was self-inflicted. Lane's the one that's talked about it multiple weeks in a row, but he credits the crowd. Even in the, you know, I thought it was an interesting line. He gets asked on TV right when the game's over um, about that he had challenged the crowd, and he said, yeah, the crowd showed up, and it was better than our four-minute offense. He you know, a little bit of self-deprecation there. I thought that was smart. thought it was good. And this definitely just removes it. I mean, it shows that you play the big game, you play the SEC game, it's going to be all right. People are going to show up. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, Grove closes at 6.30 is what I was told. So that's that's longer than usual. It's usually three hours after the end of the game, which would have been 2.15, 5.15 or whatever. So a little more than an hour than uh, than usual with the Grove on uh, on this one. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Ole Miss is not a kicker. I mean, Cruz had a good day. He hits the 26-yarder that was the game winner in a way. That's the winning margin. And then the 53-yarder earlier that I don't know that it had much more than 53. I mean, he had to really pop those two 56 he made, but he's been accurate. He's been He's been a heck of a find for sure. Yeah, that's two hours from now in the Grove. And, I, yeah, that's what I heard. I heard it was pretty – pretty packed still. I think people went back and turned the TVs on and just kind of hanging out. There's no reason to get in a hurry to uh, to get out of there for, for this one. 
All right, last call, 662-259-7556 is the number. If you have something, call, chat. We've got uh, Alabama still boat racing. Arkansas, Mississippi State controlling Texas A&M. That's 14-0 at the half there. And then um, tonight, LSU and Auburn is your uh, your night game. LSU is at 11 o'clock next week. We talked about that. That's why I don't. That's why I just think Ole Miss LSU is 230. I guess it's possible it's a night game. that You can never rule that out when it's LSU playing at Tiger Stadium that ESPN gives them a night game. But it's Alabama or Mississippi State, Alabama-Mississippi State or Ole Miss LSU for that 230. I mean, I guess it's possible the state wins and they're on a little bit of a roll that you could have that. But it feels Ole Miss LSU 230 or 630. I and 11 o'clock would surprise me, especially when it would be LSU getting two 11 o'clocks in a, in a three-week period or whatever that is. So I just don't see that see that happening. That would, that would really shock me. Who's on the line? Hey, Chase. It's Jarrett. Hey, Jarrett. What's up? Not much, man. So – Forgive me if y'all haven't talked about any of this already, but uh, so number one, biggest program win since 15 Alabama, maybe? Ooh. Um, that's a decent question. Uh, I think there's a possibility for that. I mean, if you look at it strictly from the standpoint of what does this set up potentially? Now, here's the problem. is I think to for that to be the case – I think you have you to give them the seven and zero. Yeah, they have to get to seven and zero for that to be the case. I mean, as a just in a bubble, yeah. this isn't a bigger win in some ways than A and M. But yeah, you mean last year A and M last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, the win over A and M last year. You had game day. It was the great atmosphere. It sets you up to get back yeah. to the Sugar Bowl later. As long as you you beat State, it. It's kind of in there. Um, right. But it could. I mean, if, if let's just, I mean, you know, we're playing a lot of what ifs here, but like, let's say, you know, Ole Miss goes 9 and 0 to play Bama and then wins that game, then, I mean, it's huge, right? Oh, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's every game until then was the huge game to get to that point. I mean, that's. I mean, if we're just going to do the ultimate yeah, goal, but, I mean, Miss, that is the ultimate goal, is to get Ole to 9-0 and when Alabama comes to town. Right. The Ole Miss should probably be a favorite in the rest of the games until then, except for maybe A&M. I mean, I saw – I left my buddy's house, and they were losing 14 and nothing in the state at halftime. I don't know if that's – That's still changed. holding, yeah. Um, yeah, so – I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, it's awesome. It's great. Like, you know, it's great that we're nitpicking that kind of stuff. And then speaking of nitpicking, so I think I think the answer to your question about the player earlier is the center. And I think that kind of dovetails into what you were talking about with Dart. I feel like there were a lot of plays, especially in the second half, where, like, he didn't really get to make much of a read because the snap was bad. And, like, by the time he had the, the snap, he was just like, oh, crap, I got to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does it, does it seem that way to you? Or No, it completely messed up timing. It, it messed up timing in multiple ways. Ole Miss works off a lot of motion, which means the snap needs to happen at certain parts of the motion. That's a, that's a key tenet of, of Lane's offenses. And then, two, when you don't know where the snap is or you have to go find it, your eyes don't stay down the field the same way. Both physically right, exactly. because they don't stay down yeah. the field and then mentally because – 
you're not just focused on what's down the field. You're also thinking about where's the snap going to be, and I've got to corral that and figure it out. So it plays into it in three or four different yeah. ways, frankly. Yeah, so I, think, I mean, like, because that, that about got to be, it was close, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, think, I think if that wasn't an issue, it's probably a two-score game. Probably. Ole Miss would have scored more points, in my opinion, yes, without those 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 issues. I mean, frankly, it was if there's a half because you know the yardage totals were pretty different. It was look, it was going to be a close game. Ole Miss could have lost the game. I'm not saying Ole Miss should have blown Kentucky out. I'm saying there was a recipe for that if the snaps are better and Barry and Brown gets it all corralled, or you just kick it away from him. Because Barry and Brown kept Kentucky right. in the yeah. game to give them a chance later. His early play made yeah, it, exactly. made everything even a possibility. Yeah, and does it concern you a little bit that this two weeks in a row? I mean, I know last week is is Tulsa and whatever, but that they've scored three points in two total in the two second halves of the last two games. Um, it's a concern because it is the one thing that is most noticeable when looking at the stats. I'm going to give them a little more of a break last week. Because they were up thirty-five to seventeen, it, right. got, it got sleepy, and you're looking yeah. ahead. And that, that game was a little strange, but they still didn't go down and get the points to put it away. You know what I mean? They were up eight against Tulsa, got the ball twice, and didn't go slam the door. Yeah, so that's what I was kind of thinking. Because so, like last week, it's easy to say what what you just said, right? And then, but then it happens again this week, and you're like. Okay, well, is that a bit of a trend? You know, one once is something, two times is a coincidence, three times is a trend. Sure. Right. So, so we'll see. I, so I have to talk about Air Force just a tiny little bit. Uh, but so, tell me if this comparison isn't a little bit weird. So, fourteen Bama game. Okay. Uh, Air Force and Ole Miss also kicked off at the same time. Uh, against Navy, who Air Force played today. And that day, I had two TVs set up, watching both games at the same time, which was the same case with today. Okay. That game, Force converts a first down to be able to ice the game to get the win against Navy. And as soon as that happens, Bama starts their final drive, which ends up in an Ole Miss turnover. Today, same thing. Air Force gets a first down, ices the game against Navy. Immediately thereafter, Kentucky starts their final drive, Iced by an Ole Miss turnover. So clearly it was fate. And I don't have anything else to say. Figure out who Air Force plays and when, when they play Navy next year, figure out Ole Miss plays and we'll put some money on it and see how it goes. <laughs> That's right, man. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work and uh, have a good day. All right. Appreciate it, Jerry. I, I don't know, Memphis, he's asking if repetition can fix some of those issues. I, that's a great question, but I, I, I don't know. Um, it's not like they have not – I mean, there is a game experience component to it where these reps and games are completely different. And yeah, you do anything, you're going to get better at it. Because um, it's it's mental in a way, too. You're, you're having to make sure the snap gets there, which means you're having to think about it because it's not just second nature as opposed to doing it your entire life, and that's the only position you've played. And then you're also having to block a really big nose tackle in front of you. I mean, because Kentucky was also playing in a lot of odd front. They were putting people head up on the center. I mean, you you, you had somebody right there. It wasn't like you were facing an Ole Miss type defense where you're doing some double teams or you're, you know, you're, 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 you're backside blocking or some different things. I mean, it was no, here is the guy I'm blocking. 
right here. And as soon as I snap this ball, he is on me. And I have to fire out, but also have to get the ball there. There's a lot to that. So I do think repetition probably could help from from that standpoint. There's there's there, there's no doubt about that. That would have to be able to be something that could improve to some level. But you're just having to improve in the middle of the fire here. I mean, we're going into this next game is going to be October the 8th when Ole Miss plays uh, – plays Vanderbilt here in seven days in Nashville for uh, for that one. So, okay, again, last call, 662-259-7556. Anybody's got anything else? Last couple minutes or so for uh, for this Ole Miss 22, Kentucky 19. Rebels 5-0. 5-0, they have aced this part of the schedule. Then, you know, get to Vanderbilt and start looking past that. Auburn has the AU on the helmet, but they have been bad this season. Auburn uh, obviously should have lost to Missouri. We spent plenty of mileage on that over the course of last week, and then they did get um, get popped by Penn State. So losses coming for Auburn. They've got plenty of internal issues, Harson and everything else. So very winnable game back in two weeks in Oxford for that. I don't expect an eleven o'clock for that one, and I, obviously Ole Miss will uh, be ready and a large crowd for that game. So. Uh, appreciate Jeffrey. Appreciate Neil. We had Brian on standby, but he was doing some things, hanging out. And I want to make sure I got to your calls. And then we kind of kept everybody a little longer than I expected. So we were not trying to run him off, not trying to talk to Brian. It was just kind of the way the day went off. We will obviously get back to him next week. And maybe it's a podcast this week as well as we try to bring you as many as, uh, as possible for that. Thanks for being the stream. We had huge crowds in there today. Obviously, when Ole Miss wins, that's great for our business. Great for YouTube. Great for all this as well. So I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry for some of the early uh, kinks that we had in the system. I didn't have everything set up, but we got it going. Had a lot of fun with you guys. So appreciate it. We'll be right back here for Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, or we'll have a post-game show somehow for Ole Miss and Vanderbilt next week. So I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe in the Grove or wherever you are, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.